In every generation, there is a chosen one. A show that becomes a pop culture juggernaut. We're talking Beverly Hills, 90210. Twin Peaks. Jersey Shore. The Good Wife. And sometimes a show will come and go without anyone even noticing. They may have only been on air for one season or less, but the drama, the joy, the tragedy, it will all be remembered here and now. That's Abby. And that's Roberto. And this is Dearly Departed. Dear Diary, never could I have imagined a show so full of love, wonder, sexuality. Dear God, thank you for delivering into our arms a show with not only Penn Bagley, but Milo Ventimiglia on a college campus in New York City, chatting about sex, love, romance. This is The The Bedford Bedford Diaries. The Bedford Diaries. The Bedford Diaries. This is The Bedford Diaries on the WB. Bedford Diaries. Tuesday nights. Actually, I think it's Thursday. Thursday nights. WB. Dearly departed, are you listening? We will remember all about you. When you were cancelled, we were trembling. We can't believe that they would doubt you. We won't forget you and the rest. Dearly departed, dearly departed. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God, I'm so excited that this is working. <sighs> We're back. We're back. I'm going to have my notes on my phone, so please don't yell at me if I am looking at my phone. It's just because I'm looking at my notes. As long as you're promised to only be looking at your notes. I promise. Pinky. Not getting up. Reach over to you. <laughs> so you're going to have to just accept things as they are. Oh, how are you, Abby? What's going on? I'm What's really, happening? You know what? Um, Give me your low. Give me your high. Okay, well, I would say the high is sitting down and recording this podcast with you. You know, we're riding that high of just recording an episode with Molly McAleer. We're feeling, if you haven't listened to it, check it out. We're feeling pumped up. We're feeling very much in the pod casting headspace. And I would say my low is absolutely (laughs) everything else in life. Yes. To be quite honest. I would have to agree. But you know what? We're here. We're queer. We have a new show. The fucking Bedford Diaries. I'm so excited. And by new show, we mean... (laughs) A 2006 cancelled gem. And I say gem wholeheartedly. You know... It's incredible to go from zero hour right to NYC prep right to the Bedford Diaries. It feels like each, we're being given a gift. Each show is bringing us closer and closer to God. I agree. Um I feel like the year like 2004 through 2009 has been really kind to us. That era <laughs> I mean, I guess it just makes sense because that's like when we were children, but it's just, it, it's such a beautiful, nostalgic era 
of bad outfits, weird sweaters, ugly jewelry, offensive language, offensive language. Gay people are sort of okay, but maybe (laughs) not so much. There's just something about it. It was a very rich time for entertainment. I would have to agree with you 100%. Um, But I don't think we have anything else we need to talk about besides fucking Bedford Diaries. Let's Uh, just jump right in. This is... Okay. Okay. The Bedford Diaries. Let me just give you the logline, the blurb. Paint me this picture, baby. The Bedford Diaries explores the excitement and intensity of New York City college life brought through brought to you through the eyes of six students with different backgrounds, experiences, ages who are brought together in a provocative sexuality seminar. Basically the world's fakest class to ever be at any college. I'm fucking in. I mean, the show's genius. Having gone to liberal arts college, like these classes do exist where it's just a bunch of like absolute fuckheads (laughs) sitting in a circle talking about like their opinions, but their opinions are completely uninformed and based on nothing. nothing. I do like that we're going from New York City high school to New York City college. Like in my mind, this is the college that like PC and Jesse could have ended up going to. But you know what? You and I chose the Bedford Diaries Actually, the Bedford Diaries chose us because we were really struggling to pick what our next it's show was. It's always really be. hard for us to decide. Like it takes us a week to We just always to decide. think we know. We always think we have it locked down and then something presents itself to yeah. us. And then Molly chose New NYC City Prep. Prep. So it's a perfect storm. These are shows that the universe wanted us to watch right now in this moment in time. So the Bedford Diaries premiered in March of 2006. I can only assume it was a mid-season replacement. Yeah. Um, and as far as I know, I could be wrong, but the Wikipedia did make it seem like these eight episodes that we're going to cover um, over the course of two episodes, two podcast episodes, yeah. um, was the intended first season. So once again, we hopefully will be getting a complete arc like we're hoping for an actual conclusion. Yeah. yeah. The show was created by Tom Fantana, who created HBO's Oz, which is, okay. it's that show, it's that like big prison show where Chris Maloney um, breaks the neck of the other inmate who's blowing him. I'm sure I've talked to you about oh, it. You've talked to me about yeah. that scene because I know it spoke <laughs> to you. Um, right. But so, if it wasn't for, like, you breaking down that scene for me, I would have absolutely no context for Oz. I'm pretty sure the show is not particularly gay or at all revolves around Christmasina, but that's just how I identify Oz. Well, you know, in prison, everybody has to be gay. I mean, what is the, else is the option? Just food for thought. <laughs> so it was Tom and um, his partner, Julie Martin, who... I looked on her Wikipedia page. She's had a nice career in crime procedurals. Um, And this is not that. This is not that. So that's my favorite part is that these two people who I feel like career wise, you would not have guessed that they would create a show about. They wanted to make a fun show about college kids having sex. Yeah. And obviously the network wouldn't let them make the juicy show that they wanted to. And we ended up with this. I will say that more context around 2006, what was happening. So this show was a WB show. 
Now, for anyone who knows me and my television love knows that I fucking love the WB. I'm sure I've talked about it before, but just to give you a full rundown, the WB is responsible for Seventh Heaven, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Charmed, Dawson's Creek, Felicity, Gilmore Girls, Reba, Reba, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Supernatural, What I Like About You, What I Like About You, What Other Network is Giving Us. These iconic... They're not giving us anything anymore. (laughs) Because they don't exist. And the CW is not... The CW is doing DC comic book shows, and that's fucking it. (laughs) Well, so at the top of of the year, in January, before Bedford Diaries had even premiered, it was announced that the WB was shutting down. Okay. And And by September, it would combine with the UPN network to now be the, the the CW. So I just feel like all of those indications or all of those indicate to me that maybe the Bedford Diaries just like didn't have its fair chance. I don't know how anything works, but the WB dropped so many hits. Why did they have to join up with UPN. It doesn't make sense to me, but Money, you know, I, don't, I don't I don't make the rules. Um I just know that like the heyday of the WB was and now is not. But I'm grateful for everything that they gave to us, um, <laughs> including the Bedford Diaries, which I'm not mad about. I'm not mad about it at all. I've greatly enjoyed it. I will upfront and say that this I mean I guess by the end I may change my tune, but as of right now, this is probably my favorite show that we've covered. For the pod? For the podcast. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we'll, we're definitely going to have to do a kind of our like ratings and comparisons at the end since yeah. this is our fifth show. But I'm not disappointed. It is entertaining me the way that a show with multiple seasons would entertain me. <laughs> um, some more, just a bit more of context. Um, so a week before its premiere, the WB attempted to build some buzz. Um so it posted some scenes from the series pilot with more quote adult material that is not that was not meant for broadcast. So they were just showing on the website, yeah, just like the juiciest scenes from the pilot that that didn't even end up getting aired. That they did it well because so around this time the FCC had imposed like a bunch of fines on CBS and other networks for indecent material. Mm. So the WB got cold feet and had to like censor a bunch you of- You mean the best kind of material? A bunch of their risque scenes. Um, the pilot no longer includes a scene of a young woman preparing to perform oral sex on a fellow student in a classroom. And a few other salacious shots are left out. Yeah, because for a show that's about sex, there is- zero on-camera sex on this show. Do you think it's, like, because they're talking about sex so much that they just, I think you know, it's the, I the, think it's the censorship, The give sure. and take is, like, we'll talk about it, but I think it's, I mean, I think it's, it was definitely the censorship from what you're saying. Like, they cut a blowjob scene. Yeah. Um, and I, I get it, you know, it's, it's, it's network TV, but I watch network TV, right? Like, the soap operas are sexier than this show. Yeah. There's no heavy petting on screen so far in these four episodes. Like, it, there's some kissing and that's it. But there's a lot of talking about sex, but not explicit detail, more like social things surrounding sex right. as opposed to the act itself or the acts, I should say. 
before I fully dive into the first episode, I just want to leave us with this quote from Alessandra Stanley's New York Times review of The Bedford Diaries. Please give it to us. The series is quite suitable for WB's core audience of girls 12 to 24. It may be packaged like the OC, but its message is more wholesome. Seventh heaven with a devilish twist. (laughs) I'm fucking in. This is me. This is who I am. You're seventh heaven with a devilish twist? (laughs) I never watched seventh heaven, so I couldn't tell you anything about it except that there's like a family. Good. Right? And there's not a lot of family on this show, so I'm not sure if I see the comparison. For me, it feels more like Felicity, but less focused on one girl's drama and more of like an ensemble cast. There is something really consistent about the way that CW or WB shows make me feel. They're very warm and fuzzy. They're warm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the tonality, like, it, it, the, the vibe is the same. At the end of the day, any show that would feature a jewel track or a Sarah McLaughlin song. My hands are small like you. What you're describing all WB shows. Exactly. And that's why I love them. Um, but let's fucking dive in. Tell me about these people. Tell me about this fucking crazy cast of characters. Episode one is titled, I'm Gonna Love College. And it opens with a title card. I just have to take a moment to describe this title card. Because, because it's it, fugly. Well, it's <laughs> ugly and it rocked me to my core and it, I instantly felt safe. It's a, is it a typewriter? It's a shot of the campus yeah. with blurred edges yeah. from the viewpoint of a camcorder. So it has the framing lines that you would see like in a viewfinder. Yeah. And the lines are in acid green with the title in a pastel green. <laughs> the Bedford Diaries. Absolutely no excuse. No reason for that. You know, that's your response, but I look at it and instantly I know this is the best show I'm ever I mean, to watch. We get a lot of camcorder stuff on this show, and I I like the camcorder aesthetic, and everybody knows these like lo-fi VHS aesthetics are are back in a big way. So it does land. It definitely works for me. But the but the green was really what like kind of made my stomach flip. And the font is a kind of like typewritery font, isn't it? Like a serif, yeah. but like a kind of squashed, chunky. Yeah. I don't hate it. <laughs> we get a voiceover and it asks us to think of sex. All the time I already am. Think of our last sexual encounter. It's been a while. Smash cut. It's time to meet our fucking leads. Yep. We open, these are kind of quick flashes that we see in a a blue filter. Mm -hmm. We get Owen played by none other than Penn Bagley. Penn Bagley with the... Most delicious hair. Delicious? I love it. Okay. I love it. I think it is bad. I mean, I think he... It's the hair I'm growing out right now, Abby. No, I'm sorry if you think that. Your hair is (laughs) not, it's not going to look like that. It's going to look cuter. Thank you. Once you get your perm. (laughs) I mean, at the moment, right? Like you have waves, but his waves are careless. Doesn't know what a diffuser is. Doesn't know what mousse is. Never used a gel. It's just 24 hour bedhead. And it's, it's that 2006 college boy bedhead that personally does not work for me. And Penn Bagley is so beautiful. It's not my favorite way I've ever seen him. I wouldn't call myself like a penhead, you know, I wouldn't call myself a huge Is that stan. what they call themselves? That's what I just did. Um, because, a, you know, 
he does look vacuum sealed to me. There's something about his face. That's like a little bit dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch Gossip Girl and I also only got halfway through you. Like a halfway through the first season of you because it wasn't for me. So none of his shows are really my style. This is probably my favorite show I've ever seen him in. I have watched all of Gossip Girl and I plan on finishing you. He's hot, but I'm just not obsessed. I mean, I'm not. I like him as a stalker serial killer, Mm -hmm. probably better than the other characters I've seen him play. He's not the best part of the Bedford Diaries. No. By a long shot, he's not the best part. Um, But we get this this flash of Owen and these are all, you know, their last sexual encounters. So it's him um, banging a girl and they're getting interrupted. They're in bed and then the door flies open and it's his buds and it's like, smash cut. We meet Lee and Lee is played by Ernest Waddell. Um, You know, he's had some short arcs on like the wire and CSI Miami. Um, some consistent work, but I would say that maybe the Bedford Diaries um, was be, his most leading is, role. is his most notable. I think he's role. really cute. I yeah. do. I don't think he's a scene stealer on this show particularly. I don't. I also don't think that so far his plot lines have been the most interesting. But I do like him. So Lee, in his flashback, is having a very tender moment with his girlfriend. I believe they're kissing, and maybe he like touches her arm, and then smash cut. We meet Sarah. Sarah is played by Tiffany DuPont. Um, She is most known for being on Greek, which is a fun crossover with our Zero Hour episode because of Scott Michael Foster, who played Aaron in Zero Hour. So they they have that Greek connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's had a a bunch of guest starring roles. She was really familiar to me. Like, I instantly recognized her. Well, she has a Nina Dobrev energy. She does, but I didn't mix her up with Nina Dobrev. Right. Or Victoria Victoria Justice, Justice. which has the same face. Or (laughs) Minka Kelly, who has a similar face. And Leighton Meester, who also has the same face. (laughs) I wouldn't place her as one of that, one of those. I, I would if she had worked more. more maybe if she's i'd seen good, though i actually think she's one of the better actors on the show i like her on bedford and her flashback is you know she's in bed getting a little in missionary style um she's looking really satisfied she has a grin um it just made me think of the sweetie song my type like i could just see that on her face you know that eight inch good pipe she, <laughs> she was having a good time she was getting that eight inch good pipe i yeah, get you i yeah. get you Next, uh, I'm overwhelmed. Next, we meet Richard, played by the one and only <gasps> Milo Vent- Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia, who is fresh off Gilmore Girls and is, of course, known for his work in Heroes and This Is Us. And This was pre-Heroes, post-Gilmore Girls. Correct. Yeah, because he's got the longish hair like tucked behind his ear. It's a completely different character than Jess. Nothing like Jess, which yeah. is nice to see. This man, um, I would ruin lives for, including my own. I see him and my heart flutters. You know, my blood races. I don't feel... My asshole twitches. I'll be real. Okay, great. I love that for you. I don't have that passionate of a reaction to him. He was my favorite on Gilmore Girls, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, of course, I'm a team Jess who was surprised. But... I don't find that my attraction to him has really stood the test of time. I think as a teenager and as a kid, he was everything. And now as an adult, he 
is hot and I like him, but he's not Henry Cavill. Right. He doesn't make me boil. I feel like Milo is my Henry. Wow. For you, you know? I just see that crooked smile and instantly I feel safe. I feel at home. You know, he's the reason why I watch This Is Us. I was also hospitalized with a seizure after a seizure and had nothing to do but watch This Is Us. Um, But it was him and the fact that his bare ass is featured on the first episode of the show that really grounded me in in such a tumultuous His bare ass? What channel is it on? It's on NBC. It's once, it's like two seconds and... Has NBC ever shown hole before? (laughs) (laughs) God. (laughs) Um, Moving on, should we do the next character? You don't want to... You don't want to say No, that I don't want to extrapolate on that. Okay. Next we... Oh, well, in in Milo, in, in Richard's flashback, yeah. um, he's in the back of a limo, um, looking very unhappy as he watches a faceless woman ride a faceless man. We don't see them. Wait, he he's watching other people fuck in a limo in front yes. of him? I don't remember this at all. I have no memory of this. It's a quick flash. Then we meet Natalie played by Corey English. Um, All I got from her is that she um, created a country band called the Broke Down Cadillac, and their song was featured in Race to Witch Mountain, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Is she not in anything else, like any other shows or movies? uh, Like, it mentioned some children's programming, Uh but... I think she's good. I like her. She's really cute. She looked like she would be a working actress. I'm surprised she's not in more stuff. I agree. And her flashback is um, she's unbuttoning her pants, getting ready to masturbate, which I love because I just feel like in the, you know, in 2006, I feel like there would have been some shame about showing Female self-pleasure? Female self-pleasure. I mean, they don't talk about it on the show. And no. I don't remember that shot even. So apparently it went off pretty easily, I guess. Um, and I don't our, know. That's nice that they included that. And our last cast member that we meet, our last lead, is Zoe. Played by Victoria Cartagena, who was recently in Gotham. Um, she played the same character that Rosie Perez plays in the Birds of Prey movie. She plays Renee Montoya, so she she was a lead. And and she was one of the stars of Almost Family, that show that came out that you thought was a comedy starring Emily Osmond about the three girls. The Is doc- she one of the three girls? No, but oh. she's one of their girlfriends. Okay. Um, girlfriends as in gay. Yes. Love that. Yeah. Uh, she's i think a good actress unfortunately they give her the most cringe dialogue on the bedford diaries yeah i think they do her a disservice and disrespect with her dialogue on the show but i will say for me getting the fact that just unfortunately it's like accepting breadcrumbs right but in 2006 that we are getting the show in which we have zoe as one of the like a latin lead and lee as a black male lead like it was just more diversity than i think any of our shows have they had were definitely making an attempt at having like a diverse and, and cast. i mean you say what you want about their characters i at the at the end of the day feel like them as leads are on par with like they get the same amount. i think Milo. Ah. oh my god <laughs> i'm just gonna let the prosecco literally soak into the bed do you have a problem with that <laughs> it's no. like a small splash no I just like. Do you need a minute? No, it's fine. I. 
I spilled simple syrup that I was making and we had to delay our recording because I was mopping sticky simple syrup off my floor and now I'm dumping Prosecco everywhere. It's like, you know what? I said I was disappointed by everything. (laughs) Um... But yeah, no, they, they all get the same amount of screen time and equal plot, which I think is both a good thing and a bad thing because there are so many different characters getting screen time that I don't think any of the plots get the due diligence of like deep, well-developed, yeah, emotional. Like, I, I just don't. I generally Nothing. like all of the characters. I think everything is done in, in small strokes because there are like six or seven leads. Yeah. Um, instead of focusing on one character, but really giving them juicy stuff. Zoe's flashback, she's <laughs> she's in a club, cheered on by a group of men as she makes out with a girl. Um, oh. So, thank you, I, 2006. I feel like I might have remembered that, but... It's unclear who it is, but I, I was looking closely, and it, it's, it's Zoe. That's funny, because now we're four episodes deep, and there's absolutely been zero homosexual behavior. Yeah, I don't think anyone's gay. I just think she was at a club and making out with making a girl. out with a girl, and that was her recent sexual experience. I love that for her. At the end of the montage, we learn that these are going to be our leads. They're the students of the popular elective seminar, Sexual Behavior and the Human Condition, taught by Professor Jack Macklin, who Jack Macklin, aka Sex Professor. Yes, who. Oh my god, I shamefully didn't write down his name. Pause. It's the guy from Stranger Things who plays Papa, like the evil scientist who was in possession of Eleven before she escaped. Um, I never finished season three of Stranger Things, so I don't know if he's on it, but I think he's supposed to be dead, right? But she like sees him as a ghost. I never started season two. Matthew Modine, Modin is his name. Um, But he, yes, Stranger Things, Full Metal Jacket, Weeds. He's a Golden Globe Emmy nominee. He struck me as someone, I was amused every time he was on screen because he just brought a gravitas to the role and character that maybe didn't match up with the dialogue and the plot. I'm going to say I I find his character to be corny. I think because his class is so stupid (laughs) and his assignments are stupid. But do you know what I'm like? He just looks so serious. He looks like a college professor. He's a very believable person to play a college professor. I think him playing a college professor that teaches a loosey goosey class about sex. It also seems like this is the only class he teaches and that there's only one session. It's, it's a dynamic that can, I can only compare to Uma Thurman on Smash, where it's kind of just like head scratching. Like, How did they get her? You just kind of have to wonder why. <laughs> um, but it's a really popular seminar. And at the end of class, he hands each of them a camcorder. Their first assignment is that they have to look back on their sexual history, you know, and turn in some, some video diary, some video diaries. I feel like I just glitched for a second. Sorry. No, you're good. So we know that this show is going to revolve around the sex class, the seminar, and the video diaries that they're making. I think the first most unbelievable detail is that he provides a camcorder to all of the students. 
um, and a real college, they'd have to buy their own camcorder. Also, I'll be frank, looking at this man, knowing that he is about to sit in his office, staring at a bunch of videos of college students talking about sex. I, I have no other option but to believe that he is having inappropriate thoughts, is probably jacking off while watching. I'll fucking say it. It's inappropriate. It's inappropriate. And also the fact that they are video diaries instead of, you know, like adults in college, making them write essays and write Well, we later find out that it's, his grading is subjective. (laughs) (laughs) He he admits that his grading is subjective. It's just like if they talk in class, they don't seem to really have any other assignment other than just- their video diaries and chit-chatting in class. Yeah. So and he no, doesn't we seem, fucking see why it's popular. He doesn't appear to assign readings. No. But if this was a real college course, there would be like four readings a week. Yeah. Um, and you'd be on JSTOR reading anthropo- anthropological theories. The class ends and we learn that Sarah and Owen are siblings. And understandably... Sarah is frustrated. You know, she doesn't want to hear about her younger brother's sex life. And he's a freshman. Like, take your gen eds, buddy. You know? It's so funny that they talk about how she is so excited to get this class and how it's a difficult class to land because it's so popular. Mm-hmm. And yet there's like four different freshmen in the class. <laughs> right. Awesome. Yeah. Sarah and Richard are upperclassmen. Owen and, and Natalie is at least a sophomore or a junior. Mm-hmm. And then Zoe... Lee. I guess Zoe's ambiguous. She could be a sophomore, but I know Lee and Owen are both freshmen. Richard welcomes Sarah back and instantly we're presented with the ultimate will they, won't they of the series. Yeah. When they're alone, it's electric. You know, there's a lot of prolonged eye contact. There's a lot of soft smiles. You know, we're no fools. We watched Aaron and Rachel on Zero Hour. Like, we know what's happening. We know how it works. So we're shipping Richard and That's Sarah. not what I said. That's what the show wants me to feel. I mean, I am. I That's think not what I feel. I feel that they're endgame. Well, I do. I'll say it. You have your opinions. So Richard is the rich, reformed bad boy. But you know what? He's more than that. He's an alcoholic who is now sober. We love this for him. Congratulations, Milo. And he's more than just an alcoholic. He's the editor-in-chief of the school paper. The Daily Bugle. And he has work to do because there are rumblings about a student-teacher relationship on campus. What's the teacher's name? Dixon. Professor Dixon. Professor Dixon is up to no fucking good. Sarah is having an affair (laughs) with Professor Dixon. Yes. Or she had an affair with Professor Dixon. Yes. So in this conversation with Rich, he brings, because he's the editor-in-chief, he brings up the fact that they're doing a story on Professor Dixon. And she gets really worried. You know, she's your typical go-getter. She's sweet. She's smart. She's president of the SGA and or is possibly the treasurer. It's unclear. Um, she's a big fucking deal on campus. Exactly. And that's what matters. So she is worried and we see that. But Richard is not suspecting her. He's not accusing her of anything. In fact, he doesn't even know that she was in a relationship with Professor Dixon um, because he has a different source, another young woman who had relations with the professor. Now, before we go into the next plot point, we should trigger warning 
there's going to be a little bit of discussion of suicide in this show. Not like, I mean, I guess not a lot of detailed stuff, but like it's going to be mentioned. So just be known, be, be warned. Owen and Natalie are in the same biology class and they decide to partner up. You know, he's a boy and she's hot. I think is, <laughs> is his mindset. Right. Well, and the writer's mindset. They're in the same sex seminar. So, right. of course, you know, they have to become friends. <laughs> it's like an eight person seminar. There are other people in the seminar that never get a single line and never get a character. I'm OK with that. But it's a it's a draw. He's drawn to her because she's pretty. She's blonde. She's got springy little curls. And she's known around campus. She's she. Well, so <laughs> some time ago. You know, she... I think in the last semester or last year, last school year. Right. Along with a bunch of other students, there was a rash of suicides on campus. Um, A a bunch of the underclassmen, it seems like, jumped off one of the buildings. It seems like one particular building. And the way it was described, it's unclear if it's unrelated or if it was kind of a group. It it was just... The way it was described was very odd. I thought that it was... Just what, like, one person committed suicide by jumping off this building. So then all of the other depressed people who were struggling with suicide attempted right. in the same way. Right. So it was, like, this trend of, like, a bunch of different students but jumping Natalie, off the building. But Natalie, beautiful Natalie with her bouncy yellow curls, is the only survivor. Yes. So at some point in the past school year, she jumped off of a tall New York City building and has sustained no injuries. Correct. And lived. If you're worried that Owen is going to be turned off, don't be. Um, (laughs) But you should be worried about something else. (laughs) In his video diary (laughs) that he is submitting to his teacher for grading, Owen reveals that he thinks it's hot. Um, (laughs) You know, Owen, once again, played by Penn Bagley, um, feels that playing it safe is boring, you know? He's so tired of regular girls. He is thrilled that he is interested in a girl with a history of mental illness. Um, His reaction, when he, like, he does react in a a shocked way. Like, he's never met anyone before who has had clinical depression or has attempted suicide. And then he's like, but I'm attracted to her. I might be a little bit wild. I might be a little bit dirty and crazy. Because I'm into a girl who's mentally ill (laughs) i like that rather than than just you know what i like her i like her and she happens to also have attempted suicide instead he's like what does it say about me that i'm a little bit into a crazy bitch but you know what i was sitting on that couch kind of tuning out the words coming out of his mouth and just staring at the grainy high contrast image of pen it doesn't end up being him continuing to fetishize her right for struggling with mental illness it's like this one scene where he just says these really egregious things (laughs) and then we're supposed to just forget and move on which we did we do because then we go back to zoe and lee they meet up after class and they start developing like an instant bond what i found amusing was kind of rather than it, it seemed like the show was hesitant to be like you know what we are two of the only people of color in this room you know we can bond over being in maybe this predominantly white space. It seems like they're just like, you know, we both live with our parents and we both commute and we both are here on scholarship. It seems like there are these, like almost like there are these weird. 
the elephant in the room. Like they can't talk about the fact that they yeah. both are people of color, but they can talk about the fact that they're both poor. <laughs> right. Um, Amazing work there, WB. Um, Zoe proposes that her and Lee work together on this class project. She thinks it would be a good idea if they hooked up and filmed it. For, <laughs> and at the end of the day, that is what Professor Jake wants. I, I have, first of all, nothing but respect for her <laughs> for making this very bold suggestion on the first day of class. Yeah. Second of all, Yes, all of us think that this professor probably just wants to watch these college students bone. Lee says no. Because? Um, well, then Zoe asks if he is gay. The yeah. only logical conclusion to a man turning her down. Of course, I would agree. He once again says no, because the WB doesn't want you or I to be happy. Right. <laughs> um, he has a girlfriend, yeah. um, to which Zoe says, wow, that's retro. the first of many of her absolutely unbelievably cringe lines Uh, there's just simply nothing in 2006 and also today in 2020 nothing retro about being in a relationship but it's like i want to start saying it so that people can roll their eyes at you and find you obnoxious like i just if someone said that to me if i was like yeah i'm in a relationship and they were like that's retro (laughs) i would never speak to them again (laughs) i i would just and yet she's my favorite character. Well, she is really fun. Yeah. I just like, I just like that they decided to characterize her as just saying the most like obtuse and out of pocket things. Like the viewers watching the show, you know, we're not the only ones worried about this class and what's going on. An ethics committee gathers um, to discuss how the class will be moving forward after the porn star scandal of last year. What my question first was like: Do all colleges have an ethics committee? I've never yes, heard. Yes, I just this think before. ours was bad. <laughs> I've never, but I've never heard this before. An ethics committee, who right. and and why is it just made up of professors? Like right. there should be students, right? Apparently, Professor Jake last year snuck a bunch of porn stars into the acapella choir. And it's just like one of these bizarre anecdotes that they're just like, it's funny, but it's like, it it wasn't fully thought out. Also, did the acapella choir, were they in on it? Or did he just put a bunch of porn stars in the back of the performance? Like I, and what does the acapella choir, regardless of whether there are porn stars in it or not have to do with his sexuality seminar? Nothing, nothing, and nothing. Perfect. In this same meeting, the the committee sits down with, Professor Dixon, who is adamant that he has done nothing wrong. All of his relationships have been consensual. Um, But Professor Jake fucking throws down the gauntlet and is like, you know what? The students who don't pity you will look at you with contempt. You know, like, stop dating these young girls. You know. The article hasn't even, the Bugle article hasn't even dropped yet. Right. But they're already discussing it in the ethics committee because there's some... It's known that Professor Dixon has has had sex with students. Owen isn't vibing in the dorms. There's a lot of good things going for him. He's in the sex seminar. He's vibing with Natalie. But these dorms, they're not working out for him. There aren't enough ecstasy parties, is what he says. Which I I would have to agree with. It's week one of college. (laughs) And there just simply are not enough (laughs) ecstasy parties. So he visits his sister, Sarah, and she is so bothered. She's like, you're cramping my style, you know? First of all, you had to go to the same college as me. Yeah. And then you had to enroll in the same sex class as me. She, Leave it, me alone. It seems like she, it, 
every time he's in the room or or they're together, she kind of takes on a, a, a maternal yeah. relationship. You know, she's worried about her little brother. Um, she's responsible. She's older. He's yeah. young. He's reckless. And he just wants to go to ecstasy parties. And she wants to have fun too. You know, she doesn't want to have to be the the uptight older she doesn't sister. want to be responsible for him and his bad choices in this same scene i just this has nothing to do with anything um but olive sarah's roommate invites four people i believe four men just like into her her dorm room without yeah. a word and yeah. it's one of the best moments i would have to say in the entire series they're making no they're they're taking no time to establish Olive as a slut. Yes. They want us to see that she is sexually promiscuous and they want us to judge her. And I refuse to judge her. I, if I call, when inevitably I call her a slut again, it's with respect and admiration. It's with nothing but reverence. Exactly. I do, it does make you think, you know, did the writers come up with the name Olive and just feel like if, if she has this kind of wacky celebrity name, we have to make her a slut or did they know they wanted the roommate to i think they knew be promiscuous i think she was written into the show to be the promiscuous roommate who and exists only to inevitably her. her name can only be olive um can we hold for 10 seconds because my covid19 results are ready yeah do you want to announce it live not if i'm positive <laughs> negative <laughs> yay uh i don't have the coronavirus uh once again just a weight off my shoulder. Thank you to Sajad Zalzala, who was the physician who tested my my sample. Does it make your day a little better? Yeah, I'm relieved. I didn't think really that I had it, but you know, it's always nice to just be COVID free in glad. this economy, baby. Thank you, God. <laughs> so Richard, once again played by Milo Ventimiglia, is rich. Mm -hmm. And we are reminded of this because he wears a lot of suit jackets mm -hmm. and lives in a penthouse. Yes. With a lot of weird modern art. Yes. That's not cute. He's on the balcony flirting with, um, I described her as a hot chick in a tacky dress. Okay. And we soon learn that it's her time a dozen, baby. Exactly. We soon learn it's his father's wife. <laughs> I forgot about this. I forgot about this completely because it's not important. Well, they were, they were like. It's very sensual. Yeah. Like, but it's mostly her being the aggressor right right like she's hitting on him which is something i've also seen before in you've got mail when tom hanks's father has a younger wife right. who hits on tom hanks so Look, it's a it's a it's a phenomenon i'm familiar with i get it as our good friend cornelia says we're all looking for our first husband in his early hundreds and while waiting for him to die we have to be you get the husband for the money and the son for the sex. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> thinks it. <laughs> right. Um, in his video diary, Richard confesses that in the past, his morning afters were like PBS murder mysteries. Trying to piece together what he happened. He was always too drunk to remember anything. But the first night he had meaningful sober sex, it ended up with a girl jumping off of the roof. That girl being, of course, Natalie. Natalie. In this moment, it's establishing like a love square right. between, you know, we have Richard with Natalie in his past, Sarah in his future, and we have Owen. With Natalie in his future, but Richard in his way. Correct. And um, Sarah nagging. Yes. 
I, the thing with Natalie and, and Richards They're past, my end game. I like, really? I like them more. The thing with them is that I feel like their past is really downplayed. It's not brought up very often in these four episodes, but we're just supposed to always be thinking about it because there's always just like a knowing glance here and there. But they hardly interact. They have almost no scenes together. If I know my WB shows, I would assume that, you know, we're going to have this Richard and Sarah, will they, won't they? So they'll get together probably season two, then they won't work and he'll go back to his original, you know, the girl who really touched him first. The one that got away. The one that got away. Natalie. Natalie. That got away by running off of a building. Right. So Maybe because of him. Rachel is Lee's girlfriend. We meet Rachel. Yeah. I love her. We just watched her in Final Destination 5. Mm-hmm. She has a face similar to Rachel from Zero Hour, where they both kind of look like they're on the, the edge. Like, they're on the edge. Like near tears. Near tears. Yeah. Holding it together by a thread, like most of us. Very sweet face. Mm-hmm. Rachel becomes really insecure and jealous of Lee and Zoe. Because Lee's off at college, you know, meeting all these new girls. And after a night of partying um, and him staying out all night, Rachel calls it off. They're done so. Which, of course, leads Lee to tell Zoe they instantly hook up and he immediately regrets it because he misses Rachel. It was a cheap rebound and he shouldn't have done it. In his video, in, in her video diary, Zoe admits to being a virgin. Yeah. She's done stuff. You know, she's done oral. She's made out with a girl. She is. But she has never had penetrative sex. She's, But she is all over the place. Like, she loves to hook up. Yeah. And she likes to use her womanly wiles and her sexuality. Yeah. But she just has never, you know, had a little bit of that tradish biblical penetration. I feel like the, the, the thing I enjoy most about the Bedford Diaries, and I feel like it, it's, it's, almost a through line in most of these WB shows is that all of these characters, you know, are archetypes and, but but they have like, just like enough of a twist. A little surprise. That makes them interesting. Yeah. You know, like Richard, our bad boy, rich boy, you know, is a sentimental sober. And, and Zoe, you know, suggests that she and Lee film themselves having sex. And then a scene later, we find out that she is, untouched i love it i love it genius genius amazing writing thank you oz (laughs) writer (laughs) um on campus a few boys start harassing natalie um and owen is not fucking putting up with it you know he's coming to her defense but she is she tells him to let it go she's unbothered you know she's just kind of happy that she has a whole life ahead of her and that she lived Later on, Owen sees Natalie on the roof and he assumes that she's about to jump. So he's running, he's running, he's, he bursts onto the roof um, and she laughs at him because she, she's not, she's not at that place again. You know, she regrets ever jumping. Um, There's a scene in which she elaborates on her, you know, being depressed and kind of what led to that, that suicidal point. But, but actually doesn't say anything about what led to it. I thought, I just thought it was vague. Yes. I mean, which is her prerogative to be vague about it, but it, it didn't feel writing-wise that it was particularly insightful. Right. I mean, I, I don't expect any part of this show to be insightful. Yeah. I just, I, I, I watch hot people yeah. talk about sex and I smile. Right. I mean, as do I. <laughs> Sarah meets up with Richard's source, a young girl named April, and they have 
an honest conversation. You know, Sarah doesn't feel like the teacher was predatory towards her. And April agrees, but she is of the mindset that he's a teacher, he's in a position of power, and she just wants future girls who are younger and more naive than her to know what they're getting themselves into. April is also someone that Professor Dixon hooked up with before he was sleeping with Sarah. And what, yes. And one thing the show keeps like aggressively telling us is that it wasn't like it wasn't a sexual affair they had sex but it was very romantic yeah like they were dating which i feel like this show is like look at us we're talking about we're talking about complex issues and i'm like what it was unclear to me did he sleep with april before or after sarah before sarah before okay so he does make it a habit of dating his students yes and is married right Later, Sarah and Richard meet up on a bench, and she says one of my favorite lines from the pilot. Isn't love a chemical cocktail for the brain? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> um, in the same scene, Richard asks her out, but she thinks it's a joke. <laughs> so they don't go out. Correct. And somehow during this exchange, Sarah gets the impression that Richard is dropping um, the article and is later pissed to find out that it's going to print. Well, she confesses to him that she's the girl. Right. The other girl. Like, she tells him, I'm the other person that Professor Dixon was sleeping with. Mm -hmm. And then he says, you know, I won't out you. Which her to her makes her think, oh, he's dropping the article. Right. The episode ends... um, with, of course, a video diary. Always. In class, with Sarah's permission, Professor Jake shows her video entry in which she talks about her frustration with how silly-nilly everyone is with sex, you know? What happened to intimacy? What happened? I wonder. Everyone is really moved by this, which was my favorite part. As if it's the first time they've ever heard someone say this. Well, once again, they're not doing reading rooms in this class. <laughs> um, they're not doing any sort of deep dives. So her They're just... not on JSTOR. And maybe if they were, they would have a little bit better shit to say. So her brother, Owen, is maybe the most moved out of everyone. And he meets up with her later to you know, confess how much he looks up to her. You know, she's the reason why he came to Bedford. Um, with with Sarah here, there's nothing bad that can happen. <laughs> Which is a lot of pressure to put on Sarah. So, And that's why she's so bitter. <laughs> so these video diaries are just for the professor to watch, but you can give him permission to show certain portions in class. So throughout the series, we'll see him watching the video diaries in private. And then we'll also see the certain clips that he chooses to play for the class to inspire discussion and dialogue. I don't think I would have enjoyed this class in college. I don't think I would have wanted to take it. I don't think I would have enjoyed making the video diaries. I don't think I would be comfortable telling my professor about my sex life. It just wouldn't be for me. Right. But I'm happy for these fictional college kids that they get this experience. Well, it immediately in my mind, you know, I question, where does the show go from here? What's season two? Because we would just be following this class, assumingly. So every season... You would have to get a new cast. You'd have to get a new cast. Not a super well thought out format for a show. I'll say it. So let's jump right into episode two 
Richard did, in fact, publish the article about Professor Dixon, which Sarah... I forgive him. I forgive you. ...is kind of mad about. She, like, briefly confronts him at one point in the episode. I didn't even take notes on their confrontation because she's quickly calmed down and less angry about it. But he doesn't out her as one of the girls that was hooking up with Professor Dixon. He just publishes April's account and, you know, the knowledge that Professor Dixon has slept with multiple students. So protests are erupting all around campus. There are protests happening for Professor Dixon to be fired. And then there's counter protests happening to keep him on campus. Um, I don't know if this would actually happen in a real college. I mean, I guess I just don't know. Um, I think that there were, I mean, there were definitely professors sleeping with students at our college. And I think it was somewhat common knowledge and there was no type of protesting happening. Right. But, um, you know, this, this campus is very socially conscious. And the they have lesbian very... feminist majority will be heard. And they're mad. <laughs> So this week, the class theme for their video diaries is sexual responsibility. And um, Professor Macklin says some sexual relations are about power, Mm. which is new information to no one. Um, And the question that he's asking the students for their video diary this week is, what is your responsibility to yourself and others? And what is their responsibility to you in a sexual context? Then we cut to another ethics committee meeting. Now, Macklin is on the ethics committee. In addition to teaching the sex class that the ethics committee constantly takes issue with. Right. So it's a good thing that he's there, you know, (laughs) to speak up for himself. And one of the teachers, I don't think it's him, but maybe it is him, says this line that just, (laughs) they're talking about Dixon and what are we going to do with Dixon? And I think it is Macklin who says, We've all had an attraction to a student's youth and vitality. And basically he's saying like, sure, we've all been attracted to a student, but that doesn't mean you act on the attraction. But that that phrasing of being attracted to a student's youth and vitality, basically saying that you're attracted to your student purely because they are young, which is a bummer and is gross, in my opinion, and also probably not the 100% truth of like why any professor would be attracted to any student. It's not always just going to be because the student is like bright eyed and bushy tailed and has rosy young cheeks. But if so, you are a creep. Um, And then they bring up again, how he snuck porn stars into the acapella choir. They bring it up in a way that as if they hadn't, said it in the last episode. Yeah. And this will be not the first time so this happens. This is this is not the last time, no. It is it is the oh, first whoops. it's the first shadow of what's to come of this show repeating things that have already happened. So they bring up the ethics committee and then he says, I was demonstrating something about sex to my students, not giving them a hands-on tutorial. Which happens to be the exact same line that he said in episode one. Also him saying I was teaching them something about sex, I feel like is really representative of this class, you know? It's something. You know, I'm teaching them something about sex. Also, no. Sneaking (laughs) porn stars into the acapella choir is not teaching anybody anything about sex. It's simply just people singing. But nice try. 
So we find out that Professor Dixon and his wife are back together. So they were separated when Sarah was dating him. So she wasn't the other woman. He he was at that time separated from his wife, but they've since gotten back together. And Sarah, because she's friends with the wife even, is really torn about whether or not to tell her the truth. She actually runs into his wife on campus and she mentions that like she knows about the article because she knows that, you know, he had slept with other people while they were on a break, while they were separated. But, you know, she's okay with it and they're back together. And Sarah doesn't say anything about the fact that she was the one he was sleeping with. So Owen wants to ask Natalie out, of course, because he's intrigued by her mental illness. Um, but he kind of chickens out and instead invites her to his party. So him and his roommate are throwing a dorm party in their one shared bedroom. His roommate doesn't... His dorm looks like a dorm. It does look like a dorm. They have separate twin size beds but in the first episode you see his roommate is really crafty and like artsy so he builds them bunk beds yeah which is apparently like really fucking dope of him to do i guess because it creates more space in the room yeah um i will say i love that this was 2006 and gossip girl came out in 2007 so the wb then cw really just saw pen as a broke college student pining after a blonde. You know, they really typecast him in that role, Um, to which I say bravo. I mean, they went from casting him as a college student to casting him as a high school student. And I mean, in you, he's just a poor, broke bookstore owner pining after another blonde. But pining with a little more aggression. So I'm, I'm really glad that Penn has found his lane, you know, good for him. So he wants to ask Natalie out and he runs into her at the like sort of dining hall cafe area. But instead of asking her out, he just invites her to his party and he kind of deflects in a way where it doesn't seem like a date. He's probably wearing the green puffy vest. He's always wearing this puffy vest, which I guess is a 2006 moment. Uh, It does not stand the test of time for me personally. (laughs) So a guy named Ryland which is a name that I don't like. I'm sorry if your name is Ryland and you're listening to this. I should never have shared my opinion, but I did. Um, Not my fave name. I did have, there was definitely someone at my high school named Ryland. Um, I've also seen it on all of these Instagram pages that are like, what frog are you? What meme are you? What dog are you? They keep using the name Ryland. So it must be more of a common name than you would think. I mean, it just strikes me as one of the names that that crazy pregnant mom with the fun wrong spellings. Brickaley. Right. Michaela. Delaney. Yeah. So Braxton. this guy, Braxton, <laughs> this guy Ryland comes over and is clearly into Natalie and he's hitting on her. She's cute. She's petite. She's blonde. I love everything about her. So Natalie, of course, extends the invite to him and says, oh, why don't you come to my friend Owen's dorm party? Which <laughs> this is literally the size of a jail cell. Why are we playing games, Natalie? Owen just invited you. Now you're inviting Ryland. If we fucking learned anything from NYC Prep, it's that guests of guests. Do not bring guests. So Professor Dixon shows up at Sarah's apartment unannounced. Now, Roberto will tell you one of my biggest pet peeves on TV shows is when people show up at people's doors unannounced, like at their house. Do you want her to page him? It, it's just not normal. Send an email? I, never in my life have I just shown up at someone's house. 
it I mean I guess we have cell phones now but it just is weird like to just show up at someone's house and knock on their door unannounced you don't think it would be a lovely surprise in New York City if one of my friends came knocking on our door I'd be irritated because we're recording right now but it would be such a I mean, lovely let's have tea now that we're so isolated and like I miss my friends then it's appealing but in general I don't really like unannounced social interaction when I'm relaxed in my home because you know at any point I might be wearing you know my ripped pajama shorts and I'm just not really prepared for a knock on the door anyway Professor Dixon shows up at Sarah's house and and they're not dating anymore you know that he's back with his wife but he shows up with a bottle of wine which is so suggestive and he's a faceless man I can't picture him exactly I don't know what hair color he has (laughs) He tells Sarah that, you know, he told his wife everything except Sarah's name. And Sarah thinks that his wife should actually know everything. He thinks that she she thinks that that Dixon is holding back from his wife and that despite the fact that he claims to have told her everything, that he's lying to himself and her because Sarah didn't know that there was other girls. Sarah didn't know that he had slept with multiple students and that this was a trend for him. And so she assumes his wife probably doesn't know this either and that he should tell her everything. And tell her the names of the girls and just be totally upfront with her. And she doesn't want him to stay for the wine. She says, no, you should leave. Look, there's enough people back at Olive's dorm, back in (laughs) Olive's room. Yeah. I don't need any more men here. Leave the bottle. So now we have the BYOB dorm party. Well, it's established as BYOB, but they in fact have both a keg and a bowl of jungle juice. This is a dorm party, as in is it a, it's a party that's happening in one dorm room. Our dorm styles, when we went to college, it was mostly either students living off campus in apartments or students living in like suite style housing. So you had like a little living room and a kitchenette. I didn't go to very many parties in dorms, but the idea of a like a full on keg party happening in one like seven by seven foot <laughs> dorm room is crazy to me but it's those rooms look musty i'm sure there's mold they had both those boys have definitely not vacuumed at least on new york city prep they have the class to rent a hotel suite for a party or call a restaurant and have a room booked exactly um and apparently they don't have rays either because this level of a rager happening in a dorm just would raise eyebrows and they're freshmen Yeah, I mean, like, we drank. I drank in dorms in college. I smoked in dorms. But it was not like we were being loud and having crowds of people. It was mellow. It was low-key. We put a towel under the door. It's called responsibility. Despite starting this podcast episode talking about my love for Milo, like, literally, my heart has just been kind of fluttering every time I think of Penn. I don't know what it is. I I mean, you're allowed to have range between two different, vaguely similar looking (laughs) brown haired white males. Uh, It's just that right before this, I was watching a clip and he was in a tank top and his hair was really like tousled. I typically prefer longer hair on a guy. I I like a flow. But with Penn Bagley, I like the close crop, the close, you know, the little trim hair that he has on Gossip Girl and and you. I prefer it to this kind of mane. It's not for him. It's not for me. I don't need it. He has the face. He doesn't need also the hair. It's just a little bit too much. Would you say objectively, this is the hottest cast that we've tackled? Right? (sighs) Yeah. On this podcast? Yes. 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 
Despite the fact that we did watch an entire show about models. They all looked sick. (laughs) So Natalie is at the party, but she's macking on Ryland. They're making out, which is honestly hurting Owen's feelings and making him really jealous. Um, We find out that Lee wants to be an art historian. He tells this to Zoe. And then Zoe, in classic cringe style, says back, you are art. (laughs) And then they kiss. Fuck Rachel, I guess. He's over it. Despite the fact that he hooked up with her and regretted it in the previous episode. This is another one of those moments where it feels out of order almost. Yeah. That he's having this surprise kiss moment with Zoe, but he just hooked up with Zoe in the previous episode. And regretted it. I will say, you know, this character with, of of his socioeconomic background coming into, coming into this liberal arts college and wanting to be an art historian. It just makes me think of the time I I took a philosophy class my freshman year at FSU and I had a crush on my professor. So I went and visited him and during his office hours, I I think he assumed that I was interested in philosophy or wanting to become a philosopher when yes, that is not the case. It's not a job. Um, and he upright or outright just told me, you know, like, look, it's a job for, for rich white men. You know, these are the people who can afford to sit around and just muse. Right. Was he a rich white man? Yes. Which I appreciated, but it's just, it's, you know, in this show, it's like, Lee is really chasing his passions. Uh. He's not really worried about I'm glad you appreciated him saying that, but to me, it just feels like it's not really his place to tell you what you can and can't do. I, I, I think you can do better things than sit around and be a Right. Oh, no, what he said was very offensive, but it was <laughs> funny to me that he was just being that blunt. Yeah. And also, I didn't care because I don't want to be I mean, a philosopher. I see philosophy as, yeah, something that only, like, really privileged people have the time to like just sit around and ask fucking questions like the rest of us are just trying to feed ourselves and fucking keep it together i'm not you know sitting around contemplating the meaning of life do you know who i do wish was a philosopher taylor taylor from nyc prep me too maybe she is actually we don't know i want to read those books so i want to listen to those audiobooks zoe decides not to sleep with lee she decides not to have sex with him that's really big of her and then we cut to her video diary and she says i'm the queen of sexual irresponsibility but not tonight interesting because she did just say that she's never had sex so now you're claiming to be the queen of sexual irresponsibility but i would say blowing a whole bunch of different people is not that irresponsible it's not as you know like I, I mean, I guess if all of them have been in relationships or very drunk or I don't know. I don't know. I guess I just don't make the rules, nor do I follow them. <laughs> um, an old lady at the clinic recognizes Natalie from the news of her suicide attempt and calls her crazy to her face, which Owen really does not fuck with. And he wants to be Natalie's defender once again. And she's not having it. She doesn't want a hero. She doesn't need a hero. She can take care of herself. Then he runs into Ryland, who tells Owen that Natalie is a real handful. And Owen gets in his face and wants to fight. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. He could have been that. And honestly, that would have been a cool thing to say. Um, Owen wants to fight. But 
Um, he holds fight, back. Fight, he, fight. he holds back because he knows that Natalie doesn't want him fighting for her honor. They've just fucking met. It's none of your business. Um, so then we see the, the leader of the ethics committee who has vibes, in my opinion, with Professor Macklin. Carla. The sex professor. Six-time yeah. Tony winner. Yeah. Two-time Emmy nominee. Yeah. Her name is somewhere. I'll announce it very proudly when I find it again. She is great and honestly should be a bigger character on the show. Um, but she's the president of the ethics committee. And although she and Professor Macklin are usually at odds because he teaches a sex class, they have vibes. They have tension. And they do hang out a lot on the series and they do drink together a lot. And I'm just well, kinda... I can only afford a certain amount of teachers on campus. Right. I am just waiting for something to go down between the two of them. But this scene of the ethics committee was another one that just had me, like, boggled. <laughs> um, basically, the sex professor is talking about... Do you remember what I'm talking about? Not yet. The sex professor is talking about why he's so offended by Professor Dixon hooking up with students. And he says that the reason why he thinks Professor Dixon needs to be punished is because he didn't act out of passion. Professor Dixon doesn't have the look of passion in his eyes. He betrayed passion. He's having sex for all the wrong reasons. Once again... Do you want to know what your problem is, Abby? Do you want to know what your fucking problem is? Tell me what my problem is. You're thinking too goddamn much. (laughs) I just... This is so subjective. And ethically, saying he's not having sex because of passion is not ethically a reason why he should be fired. I, I, it's an opinion. What he's saying, though, is that these are like, that the teacher is having these premeditated thoughts is intentionally going after young, naive girls, not because he loves he them. He is so moved, is so passionate, but because there's a power dynamic or... Right. That's what you're interpreting, But that's not what he says. He only says what I just said. He doesn't have passion in his eyes. That's why he needs to be punished. There's no passion in his eyes. Like, that's the whole conversation. So you can extrapolate that it means something deeper, but that's not, you know, just, I just feel you could write a better line. You Mm -hmm. could write a better discussion of sexuality and of the relationship between, you know, the inappropriate relationship between a professor and his student than they've provided us here. Just saying. I just think that at the end of the day, Professor Macklin really wants all of us to be led by our passions. And I appreciate that from him. I do. I'm so sure he's cheering for Lee to be an art historian. Owen, for, he somehow knows that Richard and Natalie have history. I don't think that Richard ever tells him. I don't see that happening on screen, but Owen knows that Natalie and Richard have a history. And Owen asks Richard... Why did Natalie jump? And Richard says, you'll have to ask her. I mean, I think it's just that Richard is an upperclassman. and No, but it seems like he knows that they know each other. Because yeah. even further down the line of the show, it, it just seems like there's an understanding of the vibe between Natalie and Richard. So Owen sees Natalie on the roof 
again. <laughs> and, well, that's, that's the big question, right? Is it again? Or did it not happen in the previous episode? <laughs> so then we get the exact same scene that happened in the previous episode of Owen running up, saving Natalie, but then her being like, I wasn't going to jump. I was just out up here to, to think. And we get the exact same dialogue of her explaining to him why, you know, how she was depressed and, and how life had no meaning and she wanted to end it all. And how she regrets it and that jumping, you know, it it wasn't the right thing to do. And she's just so grateful that she got a second chance. It's the same exact scene, but I noted that she's wearing a different outfit, which means they did, in fact, film the scene separate times in separate outfits, but with the same dialogue. What? Uh, I thought I was short circuiting. What really makes me giddy is so... They have all of these scenes that then they can't broadcast because of the FCC. So they put them online. And then I wonder if they just literally had to make up for time. So if they just threw, you know, a take, like a trash take and just put it in the episode. Of the same scene. Yes. But it just Because they filmed it again and they added, correct me if I'm wrong, a kiss at the end. Yeah, it's the same scene, but instead of the scene just ending with the conversation ending and a cutaway, it ends with Owen and Natalie kissing. So it was like the conversation built to a kiss. But it was the exact same conversation from episode one. Now, you feel like this is a prime example as to why the show was canceled. Absolutely. I feel like this is why this show is amazing, incredible, (laughs) impeccable, genius, deserves to go down in fucking history. I just felt like I was cracking. I was like, didn't I already see this? The audacity for this show to give us the same dialogue, the same scenes in the second episode... Part of me is wondering if it's the YouTube of it all, because me and Abby are watching it on YouTube. It's available for anyone to watch, if you so desire. Mm-hmm. If you also want to see Penn Badly in a gray tank top and fluffy hair. I would see that it maybe is a YouTube mistake, except that it is not the same shot-for-shot shot scene. It's <laughs> it's a different take of the scene where they're wearing different clothes. Either way, it's genius. And it fits into the story of the episode. It just is as if it didn't already happen in the previous episode. Right. Um, but imagine if it just did happen twice that he thought she was jumping, <laughs> ran up to save her. She explained that she wasn't jumping. And then the next day it happens again. Um, so they kiss and then Owen says, I'm an idiot. And then Natalie says, it was nice. Then we cut to Natalie's um, video diary. And she says that the kiss was amazing and that she would have had sex with him right there on the roof. if Me wanted. too. And that's what makes me think. Originally, were they having sex on the roof and that was too dirty and it got cut. So they had to replace it with them chatting. Like that was just for the FCC thing of of the censorship. I'm like, well, maybe that's what it was. The original intention. Yeah. Because I want to know what these juicy scenes are that got cut. I'm so I feel cheated and I want to know. I imagine it was like Zoe and Lee hooking up. Yeah. Maybe she was the one who was blowing him that first episode. In the classroom. In the classroom. Maybe a little flashback of Sarah and Professor Dixon getting their freak on. Exactly. Their passion, his eight-inch good pipe. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of Richard hooking up with Mommy in the bathroom. You know. Mommy. <laughs> um, I'm going to grab some water real quick. Is okay. that okay? I'll be here. Yeah. Wait, do you want to grab me some? Wait, maybe instead of water, wine. Do you have a cup? Yeah. Wait, do you have a cup? Yeah. Uh, do you want me to line it? I do. Okay. It's about do we have? Do we have? 
the box yeah the box chardonnay with a with an ice cube please The wine, the wine looks a little bit murky, which makes me think that there was still milk from your coffee. Well, I asked you to rinse out the cup. You said to rinse, I didn't rinse it. It's okay. <laughs> Tastes normal. Great. Um, after this, should I make the brownies? We don't have brownies. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Have we have brownies. cookies, yeah. don't we? It's brownie mix. I made the cookies already. Remember we brought them to Rachel's? Yeah. You're disappointed. It's okay. I think brownies are going to be good. No, they're going to be great. <sighs> I'm like out of breath. I'm exhausted, but I'm COVID negative. So God. I guess it's just my anxiety. I feel like if you're COVID negative, so am I. Where have you gone that I haven't? <sighs> to work. Right. So now we have Richard's video diary. Diary. Richard's video diary in which he says, the last time I got swept away in someone else's lips, it made everything worse. Which is a call back to the end of the last episode where he said that the last time he slept with someone she jumped off a building afterward um the bugle has a new sex column sexy sadie sexy sadie which is going to play a large role in the next episode but it's just good that we establish that you know there's a sexy little it's like um an advice column yes but sex advice and it's anonymous it's an anonymous we don't know who sexy sadie is now class is talking about the female orgasm it's so important to tackle these (laughs) (laughs) i i personally i love to tackle the female orgasm like a like a game you know like a puzzle um you know you would think that this would be an interesting conversation but it's not really But the professor does ask, are men responsible for the female orgasm? And do women need to be honest about it? Basically, do women need to be honest about what they want and what will give them pleasure? What is with these heteronormative relationships? This show is very heteronormative. Ugh. Um, And we don't really get an answer to this question. It just, we just see him present the question and then the issue of the female orgasm and the, the elusiveness of the female orgasm is not brought up at all later in the episode. So this is kind of the one little note about it. Always have the brief clip of Natalie almost masturbating at the beginning of the show. What more do you want? So now Lee and Richard are at a bar together. There's a couple different scenes of Richard at the bar because earlier when Owen asked him why Natalie jumped, they were at the bar. And now Richard is back at the bar with Lee. So first of all, nobody on this show has any friends outside of the friends in class with them. Correct. Second of all, why is Richard always at the bar? Do you want him to be at home with his maid, Rosa, that we never see and his stepmom that he wants to fuck i don't think he lives with his dad and his stepmom i, I think, think he has his own he penthouse does. oh i thought they were just visiting him i thought he had his own penthouse i mean i don't know he lives with his parents Ugh, loser um <laughs> so richard and lear at the bar despite the fact that richard is one year sober yeah he has very strong will and can just hang out at a bar and not be tempted um Zoe shows up and is playing darts with Richard and says the line, darts is life. Which, uh, okay, yeah, totally. Love darts. Um, Dixon tells Sarah that his marriage is over with his wife. 
He told her everything, including the names of the girls that he had hooked up with and the amount of girls he had hooked up with. And, you know, she ended the marriage because of it. And then he says he doesn't believe that the marriage was a failure just because it's over. He says that it was a success that simply concluded. At the end of the day, everyone needs a first divorce. Exactly. I'm happy for him that he has this nice perspective on divorce. I just wonder if his wife has the same perspective, given the fact that she left him because he had been sleeping with multiple of his students. Um, Immediately, he wants to be with Sarah because he's in love with her and he feels that they were in love. Duh. She says no. Honestly, she's starting to question their relationship. She's starting to question whether or not he was playing her, whether he was using her for her youth and vitality. Are you okay? I, like, just glitched. I, like, saw my microphone fall. My whole body shuddered. Am I okay? I don't know. It seems like you might be seeing things. Are you good? Do you need some actual water? No. Okay. So, (laughs) Owen comes by Sarah's apartment again, which he keeps doing to eat her yogurt. But he's really annoyed that all she has in her fridge is yogurt because he hates the dining hall food. Oh my god, is this the crazy scene where he eats a frozen Hot Pocket? I cannot even believe that you're stealing the line out of my mouth. I'm sorry, I will edit it out. Let's go back No, no, it's fine. (laughs) So Owen shows up at Sarah's apartment and she's done something really sweet and sisterly. She's bought him Hot Pockets. He takes a Hot Pocket out of the freezer, opens the packaging... And eats the Hot Pocket (laughs) frozen. He bites into the frozen Hot Pocket. Now, that's how he gets the cheekbones. (laughs) I really like Hot Pockets. I do. We have Hot Pockets in our freezer right now. We should have some later. Instead of the brownies or in addition. Hot Pockets are a guilty pleasure. They are a sexy little snack for me. You know, a little treat. A little something I can give myself after a long day. A little moment of pleasure. A long day? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, I would rather die than eat even a lukewarm Hot Pocket. Biting into a frozen Hot Pocket is sociopathic behavior. It's mentally ill behavior. Do we think this was the writers giving him a really quirky character trait? Or do we think the director really was not vibing with Penn and needed to give him some business. So he's like, eat the fucking frozen Hot Pocket. We don't have time to watch it in the microwave. I have a feeling like they maybe thought that this was just like an interesting and funny fact about him, that he would eat frozen Hot Pockets. But to me, it's just indicative of a serious problem. Like his only character traits are wearing green puffer vests, eating frozen Hot Pockets, and liking girls that fetishizing are mental illness. I the thing about eating the frozen hot pocket is that no one does that. No, it's not a no. It's rock hard. You can't bite into a frozen hot pocket. It's not a fucking popsicle. You can't suck on it. So Owen tells Sarah while he's eating this frozen hot pocket that he kissed Natalie, and Sarah is not pleased to hear this. She just knows how Owen's a player and. You know, Natalie's been through a lot of shit and she doesn't think it's a good match and she doesn't think it's healthy for him to be hooking up with Natalie. Um, But he says that, you know, he's really into Natalie and that he doesn't always know what she's going to say, like with the girls in high school. She's not like other girls. It's true. It's true. It's true. I mean, she's not. Um, So Olive comes out and microwaves Owen's Hot Pocket for him thank God, a savior, and offers him a beer 
And this is after Sarah has left. She gives him a beer. She microwaves his Hot Pocket. And they're vibing. And she invites him to her room. And we know what that room is for, baby. And then we see Owen on his video diary saying, sexual irresponsibility rocks. How long until one of them gets an STD? I know. Four episodes and no one's picked anything up. Um, It's interesting to me because I don't know. I guess hooking up with your sister's roommate is irresponsible. I think that's what he's referring to. Or the fact that he kissed another girl that he's into that same day. Right. And then seemingly an hour later hooked up with his sister's roommate, Olive. Well, they're both blonde. That's true. He might have just not been able to tell the difference (laughs) between the two of them. Um, Sarah is bothered that her little brother has slept with her roommate. Um, But he tells her, don't be a hypocrite. You know, Olive told me about you and Professor Dixon. So I know that you were hooking up with your professor. So you don't have a pedestal. You I would be, be more stan- bothered that my roommate would sleep with your brother. Yeah. Well, I think that she's probably not that tight with Olive. So she doesn't expect, you know, she doesn't have standards for Olive, but she has standards for her brother. She Everyone expects- is so fucking disrespectful to Olive, and, including the show. Well, I don't think she gets another moment of screen time at all in the rest of the show <laughs> besides this. So she- No, she's in the next episode. Oh, I can't wait to hear about it. Um, but in addition to sleeping with Owen, like, I, he's hot. I get it. I don't blame Olive. In addition to sleeping with Owen, she also tells Owen Sarah's secret that she used to be in a relationship with her professor. Um, and Sarah is caught off guard and annoyed that Olive would tell Owen this, but she does let go of judging Owen. I mean, Sarah's he... fault for trusting a slut like Olive. <laughs> <laughs> Take that back. Once all again, of, I, of, I have stated my disclaimer. I say slut with all the love in the world. I mean, I'm going to say right now, Olive is one of the only characters that I trust. But if you think it's ugly coming out of my mouth, I can stop saying it. It's okay. I mean, I personally don't care about that the use of that word. Um, but some people do. Um, Richard introduces Sarah to his friend, who is immediately already into her. He's on the swim team. And he, you know, Richard is like, hey, come here, Sarah. My friend wants to meet you. And instantly the friend is hitting on her. And Richard makes... But he's bothered. He's bothered that his friend is like, introduce me to Sarah. He he has an attitude about it. But he does what his friend asks. And instantly Richard is mocking Sarah and basically calling Sarah a prude. Which is funny because he just found out that Sarah used to sleep with her professor. And now you're just calling her a prude in front of other people. It's just a little bit weird. But Sarah is pissed off that she's being called a prude. So she agrees right there on the spot to go out to drinks with the swim team guy. Basically proving Richard wrong that she is dangerous and she's crazy. (sighs) She is pushing Richard's buttons and he's very delicate. He's very fragile. Protect Milo. So then we see Lee. He walks out of his art history class. And he wants to be an art historian, so this is a big deal if he's walking out of class. But it's because he's having an epiphany. And the epiphany is that he loves Rachel. He wants to be with Rachel. He doesn't want to be with Zoe. There is nothing more powerful than a pale white woman who looks like she's about to cry. She has daytime TV face. And I mean that with the most sincere heart possible. Because, as we all know, I'm a huge daytime TV fan. So he is talking to Rachel and he says, you know, we can be together. 
nothing has to change just because I'm in college. Take me back. I want to be with you. And she tells him some pretty big news. That she is, in fact, pregnant. And so he wants to be with her. Great. Because she's having his baby. Woo! And he takes it pretty well. He does. Um, we don't see them have a big conversation about it. But he's not, he, you know, he doesn't respond immaturely. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't demand that she get rid of the baby. She, he accepts that she's pregnant. It feels, it's definitely like a setup for what we're going to tackle next episode. Yeah. And then the episode ends with Lee's video diary being played in class with his consent. And in the video diary, he announces that he's going to be a father. Um... The theme he's, is sexual irresponsibility. And yeah. He so he's talking wants, about the results yeah. of, you know, not using protection. And now he's going to be a dad at the, the age of 19. That's um, episode two, y'all. And Zoe, we, we the, the episode ends with Zoe looking sad because, of course, she just hooked up with him. She likes him. And now, you know, he's back together with his girlfriend and he's going to be a dad. So there's not a lot of space for them to be together. And that's the end of episode two. I love that you're taking the time to listen to today's episode, but I would love it even more if you subscribed to Dearly Departed on your preferred listening platform. And check out our Instagram page while you're at it. That's at Dearly Departed the pod. Drop a comment, leave us a review, but most importantly, enjoy the rest of the show. Episode three is titled, Tell Me No Secrets. Which seems really against everything that this class is about. But almost accurate to the episode, (laughs) because no one's going to tell any secrets. (laughs) We open on Lee. He's at the gym, and his buddy kind of is... I don't quite remember if he's congratulating him or giving him shit. But either way, his buddy reveals that sexy Sadie revealed in the school paper... That Lee is expecting. Named Lee, right? Said Lee Lee is having a baby. In the art history department (laughs) has impregnated his girlfriend. Why is this news? It's not at all. And it also doesn't belong in an advice column. It's just weird. Like a somewhat, you know, hypothetically, hey, I want to ask my best friend on a date. And sexy Sadie being like, maybe you shouldn't or else you might get her pregnant like Lee in the art department. <laughs> right. I mean, it just seems like a, a teen, teen dad pregnancy, freshman in college. It's not really like newspaper worthy right. story. I will say I liked that this was set in the gym just because, you know, all these TV actors have bodies cut for the gods and it's like you never see them work out. You never see Lee's body, so it's like a non, it doesn't matter in the show, but it was just nice. And it shows that they can afford a couple different sets. Exactly. Lee is pissed because the sexual behavior in the human condition class is supposed to be confidential. And that's the only place where he's told anyone about Rachel's pregnancy. So he's pissed at Richard, of course, editor-in-chief. And the best... One of the best lines, and of course delivered with Milo's, you know, dark, buttery voice is, dude, I am sexy, but I am not Sadie. <laughs> Essentially being like, look. I'm I, not the one. I'm not the one. Yeah. That leaked the story. And he's also wearing a pink polo. 
So I can just confirm he's looking really sexy. Richard claims he's not responsible for the leak. You know, he, he sexy Sadie's anonymous. I don't know who told Sadie, you know? Um, but Lee is adamant that no one else knows except for this class. And Professor Jake, he's always dropping these truth bombs. You know, he's always saying something so deep. He's really torn up about this. He says, secrets and crisis share a root. And that root is the turning point. (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) I love, I just, mm. doesn't it kind of sound like the writers were watching Dawson's Creek and were like, is this what the kids are into? It's just funny. Kind of bloated dialogue that doesn't fully make sense. Sure. The way they talk on Dawson's Creek is not the way that teenagers talk. And the way that this professor talks on this show is not the way that professors talk. And it's not the way professors should talk. It's very... It's not the way any human operates. It's embarrassing. Can I just repeat that? In Secrets. She cries in crisis. Shy. I read. Secrets and crisis. Share a root. And what is that root? The turning point. (laughs) The turning point? Yeah. The turning point of what? Everything. Okay. No, I don't get it. I don't understand. (laughs) Um, Maybe maybe we should crack open these books. You know, maybe we should. Maybe we should start doing the reading that they refuse to do. Exactly. The theme for the class is how do they define sexual secrets? Because it's always a fucking lesson. I mean, a sexual secret is a sexual secret. What needs to be defined? Well, we're about to find out. Natalie confronts Richard. And she accuses him of still being an addict. Well, duh, honey. Once an addict, always an addict. But she says... That's also just so completely rude and not her business to be confronting him about. But she says that his current drug of choice is chaos. You know, he (laughs) loves pushing people's buttons. So she also thinks that Richard was the one that leaked Lee's secret. I mean, either way, he's the editor-in-chief. So he allowed it to get printed. He allowed it to get printed, yes. Yeah. Richard asks Sadie. He, it's, it's a guy named Peter. And he asked, he asks Peter who... Who is the leak? You know, how did you get this information? And we cut to outside of the room so we can't hear it. Yeah. Genius. Cinematic. Auteur. Mm-hmm. Owen and his roommate decide to host a virtual Bedford beauty pageant. <laughs> because... Ah, uh, his roommate <laughs> is up to no good again. <laughs> Within hours, their room is filled with a bunch of hot college babes. Yeah. And I just have to quote this exchange because it inspires me as a writer it inspires me as a 22 year old looking for love for context right this is they're doing video interviews with the hot girls who want to join their online beauty no the girls show up in person but then everyone votes online yeah but they're filming the right they're filming video interviews with the girls to upload to their video Yes. To their virtual beauty pageant. That's what I'm saying. So they're, they have like a backdrop in their dorm and they're filming these hot girls. So there's a girl on Owen's bed. Right. Sorry, is this your bed? It's hardly a bed. You just haven't broken it in yet. 
So, uh, what's your name? Raven. Just Raven. And to further her point, she shows him her Raven tattoo. <laughs> and her name is simply just Raven. I also like that they're trying to establish her as being, you know, easy and being very sexual and very flirty. She has a tattoo. Yeah. Whore. And a, her having a mononym and just being a Raven somehow plays into this persona that they're giving her. I also noted that it does not appear that they have bunk beds anymore. So what I think it is, is the, the, the scene in the first episode is like, Owen brings home like a chair that he saw in a dumpster, but then his roommate builds a bunk bed, but it's a bunk bed just for his roommate because Owen has a separate bed. Why would his roommate need two beds? I don't know. I don't know. At it's first, not a loft bed. It's a no, bunk bed. Correct. Yeah. I don't have an answer for you. I guess for guests. <laughs> um, Rachel, Lee's girlfriend, does not give a fuck if people know if she's pregnant or not. Because at the end of the day, she is so stoked. You know? Yeah, and also people are going to find out anyway. Exactly. When you have a child. Yeah. She's really excited. It reminded me of the scene in the pregnancy pact. When all the girls, all the moms were really excited. And it's like, you're producing life. You have to take care (laughs) of it. I mean, no, but better to be excited than disappointed. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to keep it, you know, you might as well be happy. The thing is that Lee is starting to get nervous. You know, he didn't care that she was pregnant until people found out, until it became a reality. Yeah. And in this conversation, he uses some coded language to hint at the fact that he would really love if Rachel got an abortion. Yeah. Um, That would be his preferred next step. Afterwards, Lee visits Carla, played by Audra McDonald. She's the ethics committee. She's the one vibing with Professor Macklin. I respect that Lee, you know, knows exactly where to go. Someone leaked private confidential classroom conversation to the newspaper and he knows to immediately go to the ethics committee committee about it exactly carla you know taking this account this conversation with lee into consideration asks jack jake i think it's jake but it's professor macklin the sex professor professor. macklin carla asks professor macklin if he had students sign ndas you know this isn't a real class at the end of the day so at the very least he could have them like make sure that what they're talking about is kept fucking secret. Yeah. Um, but he prioritizes trust. And apparently making them sign an NDA is a suggestion that he doesn't trust them instead of being an act to establish trust. Your, your hair looks really cute. Are you worried? About it? Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, well, I just like... Abby just got this really cute mullet. I, I'm just distracted because the mirror is like right there right. and it, it's like kind of just feels like weird right now. But no, I, I like it. Who cares anymore? I don't even care. Like, our appearance has become so secondary. It's the most important thing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my priorities have changed. In class, Professor Macklin realizes that no one has turned in their video diaries because no one fucking trusts him. And Richard won't reveal who Sadie is. Um, And he won't reveal who who the leak is. Gave Sadie the information. But he does admit to one thing. Yeah. He did not read the piece before it was printed. So this is apparently a huge admission that, you know, as the editor in chief, he didn't read every single article before they got published. He was busy at AA. He was busy, you know, getting his suits tailored. He was busy hanging out at the bar. I'm just okay with it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. 
So Sarah and Michael Phelps, her the the swim guy that she's flirting with. Yeah. I'm just referring to him as Michael Phelps because I didn't know his name. They're being cutesy in the in the quad and it chaps Richard's ass. He <laughs> is ticked off, you know. He doesn't like to see Sarah so happy. He's not it hasn't been his day. No. So later, Michael Phelps admits to Richard that he only started seeing Sarah, hoping that it would, you know, result in the swim team getting some more, some extra funding for their abroad trip. Yeah. Fucking devious. Sarah deserves more than that. Yeah. At the hospital, Owen and Natalie are gabbing, and she's considering joining the pageant, which of course gives Owen a semi. You know, there's nothing he would love more than to take sexy videos of Natalie in exactly. his dorm. And judge her solely based on her appearance. And put her in competition with other hot girls. We get some really good black and white pageant montage camcorder footage uh. featuring an incredible voiceover by our favorite slut, Olive, in which she says, If beauty is in the eye of the beholder, so is degradation. This becomes the theme of the beauty pageant. You know, anyone who judges it, it's their fucking problem. If they're degrading the girls or if they're... Seeing them as beautiful. I Once again, it's not insightful. The dean calls Richard into his office and demands... The dean. This the, is really reaching the higher ups. Yeah. He demands that Richard kill the sexy Sadie column or the alumni board will stop funding the paper. Which is... Excuse me, freedom of the press? That's also a, a huge threat to make because a college needs its newspaper. So what are you going to do if you stop funding the Bugle? Fund a different paper? A student-run magazine, maybe? It just seems like an overreaction richard agrees to fire the current sadie but he won't shut down the column yeah he stands up for what he believes in smutty sexy newspaper articles thank god the dean's not done there um because he asks sarah to find out who the fuck is running the bedford beauty pageant and to shut it down it's interesting that this is falling on the student body president to deal with. I guess that kind of makes sense. She needs an arc for the episode. Yeah. Sarah confronts Owen. Um, this is the scene when I went back to get a quote, um, but I got distracted by Penn in a tank top. I like that, you know, he's tasking her with solving the mystery of who is running the beauty pageant. But on the beauty pageant's website, it says very clearly that Owen and his roommate are running it. The end of the day... All publicity is good publicity. I would agree. The pageant goes forward and ends with a three-way tie between Raven. Right, of course. Olive. Uh, obviously. And Natalie. Rigged. <laughs> Owen rigged it. Um, the girl he is crushing on, a girl he hooked up with, and a girl that hit on him, kind of seems like he rigged it. I think these three earned it. I just think it just means that Owen has top tier taste it also seems like maybe they're the only three that they cast actors right for that yeah. is a possibility yeah but generous to give it to not one single white woman but to give it to three. Oh, 2006 after a talk with carla 
Lee returns to Rachel with a new lease on life, with a new perspective, and he is now very excited to have a baby with her. 15 minutes ago, he wasn't. But yeah. every day, you know, he grows and he changes. and It's that art history major. Yeah. You know. He's deep. He's a deep thinker. Richard confronts Zoe, who we now learn is the confirmed leak. Because, of course, she's jealous of Lee and Rachel. Just the fact that she would take that jealousy so far as to leak his very private personal information to the newspaper. She explains it that she was just, like, at the bar like venting to someone or some guy and she didn't know that that guy was sexy sadie until it was too late she's too afraid to come forward though because um apparently professor macklin is her mentor this is episode three not once have we seen zoe talk to professor macklin not once has professor macklin you know maybe given her any one-on-one attention and there's no scenes of them together in episode four either but he's her mentor. Yes. It's so much so that he helps, he helped get her into the school. Or he's known her since she was like a teenager or something. Like they they have a history. Yeah. I'm so lost. So she is not willing to, you know, compromise her reputation with her mentor, Professor Macklin. And Richard, being the stand-up guy that he is, agrees to take the fall. He's so good-hearted. Uh, dream man. Things keep spiraling for him because the board decides to cut the newspaper's funding by a third. So he asks Sarah and the SGA to back him up. You know, like, as long as I still have the SGA funding, like, I can, like, the paper can still live. And and she is confused. You know, why does this mean so much to you, Richard? Why? Why are you willing to fall on your sword for sexy Sadie? And he says, once again, in his buttery... My love and Amelia voice. Mm-hmm. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And I used it to snort anything I could. Ooh. He goes on to admit that he blames himself for Natalie's suicide attempt. Okay. And now just wants to make a difference. I don't know how sexy Sadie is making a difference, but... <laughs> it's just, it's interesting to me <laughs> that the sex advice column is his way of atoning for his drug use and him somehow motivating a girl he was dating to kill herself. And now he is atoning for that by publishing people's secrets in his newspaper. Some would say it's maybe a writer's job to connect A and B, It's not necessary for me. You know, I will accept what's given to me if it's coming out of my love and Amelia's mouth. And I want that on the record. It is. Let it be known. Later, Richard calls Natalie because he never called her after her suicide attempt. Oh, God. And they don't. He's not doing a good job of atoning. (laughs) They don't talk. So them having this class together is the first time that they have interacted in the year since she attempted suicide right after sleeping with him. On the phone, they don't talk. You know, they they sit in silence. But the silence, it says so much, you know. It's pregnant silence, you, you could know, say. You know, it's him saying, I'm sorry. and But it's actually not. You know, if, if you want to bang again. <laughs> but once again, it's I'm, not. I'm a better man. And it's her saying, I forgive you. And it had nothing to do with you. But it's actually not. Because none of that is said. 
And he's wearing a white t-shirt. Oh, but she can't see it because it's a phone call. She's wearing her floral jacket. But he can't see it because it's a phone call. Her curls are looking real tight. He can picture it in his mind. Uh, guys, this is a show that I would encourage you to watch. I would encourage you to get on YouTube. You know, it's quarantine. You have nothing better to do. Sit down, listen to all of our episodes, and then watch The Bedford Diaries. And then listen to our good friend Anya's podcast. The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. Shout out. Love that little plug. In a video diary, mm-hmm. Zoe admits to being a leak because every episode has to end with an emotional video diary. Yeah. So this is shown in class. Yes. Before Richard has the chance to take the fall for her, she confesses the truth. And she says, <clears throat> tearfully, mm. grainy camcorder footage. Okay. You can trust me from here on out. I need you to trust me so I can learn to trust myself. As much as that is a little bit cringe, because she does say some corny stuff, that line makes more sense than most of the other lines we've taken note of. It's Zoe who acknowledges that despite being a virgin, she's sexually irresponsible. Yeah. And... Is working on bettering herself. And that other people's opinions of her... Are more important. Well, they bear a strong influence on how she views herself. Yes. So let's jump into episode four, which... Do you want to... Do you need a break? Um, I'm going to open the Snapchat before I... (laughs) Cool. Um, Episode four is called Zen and the Art of Manipulation. Genius. Fun title. So... Richard is now doing his own reporting for the Bugle. Um, Because he can't afford to hire, I guess, so many other writers. He's not... But he... I'm just school papers... Well, the budget got cut, so he has to do reporting on his own. But do school papers pay student reporters? I don't think so. So Well, ours didn't, but everywhere's different. There's no reason why he should have to. No. So the episode opens with him on the sidewalk chatting with Sarah. He's run into Sarah and he lets her know that he's doing an article about unconventional students. At first, I did think that he meant black students and Latin students. And that was just where my (laughs) mind went. But that's not what he means. It's actually really, really unclear what he means by this because we only see him meet with one unconventional student. And what's unconventional about her is, I guess, that she might be in her 30s. Yes. And that's it. She's hot. She's, well, is that unconventional? There's, I think there's a lot of hot people at this school. So he is meeting her for a breakfast interview. And he sits down with this very, very beautiful woman who has um, a European accent of some kind. She is instantly alluring to him and he's very surprised because this isn't what he was expecting she's one of these like ageless lifetime looking actresses i just didn't realize that we were supposed to know that she was older i thought she was college age like i didn't pick up on that you mean because there are 27 year olds playing college yeah like it just doesn't it didn't stand out to me that she was older so i wasn't really it wasn't clear on me what was unconventional about her i guess she's also international but this is a college in new york i can't imagine being international is that unconventional um but they they have a really long breakfast interview it lasts for um over an hour 
And the way it's edited it was making us really laugh because it's a lot of dramatic crossfades, but the crossfades are between the same shot of the two of them talking at the table. But it's just supposed to show that, that time is just passing so quickly because they're both just so engrossed in the conversation. And they get to the end and Richard is like, oh my gosh, like I've been sitting here for an hour and I haven't asked you any questions because we've just been really hitting it off and talking so much. Staring at her cleavage. Yes. So what are you doing for lunch? You know, let's meet up again for lunch um, to continue this interview. And she says, yes, I would love to. Um, so in sex class, the teacher is talking about the story of when he first had sex. And um, this God. seems like a really appropriate thing for a professor to share with his students. He tackles it like a lesson. Well, just this is a monologue that I can see the actor really digging into. You know, yeah. he's he's doing that journaling. He's doing that imagery. He's doing all the techniques. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting because, of course, you know, once again, in lieu of assigning them readings, he's just telling them about his sex life. As if it is a profound intellectual moment. Abby, them. it is. So his his virginity story is that he was in high school and he was really nervous and he had sex with a girl. And it turns out she was just manipulating him in order to get him to write her English paper for her. Hashtag girl boss. <laughs> Once again, mad, mad respect for this one. Um... So that leads him into this week's video diary question, which is, have you ever manipulated someone sexually or otherwise? So any kind of manipulation. And have you ever been manipulated by someone? Particularly, have you ever been manipulated by someone sexually? It's interesting because I think sexual responsibility and sexual manipulation are sister topics, but they each get their own week mm -hmm. in his sex seminar and the final part of the question is what is it about sex that turns good people regular decent people into manipulators what about sex makes us want to manipulate people so richard is now at lunch maybe if he handed out some fucking reading these kids <laughs> would know so Richard is at lunch now, um, again with his unconventional student, and we learn that her name is Katrina. Mm. She's really, really pretty, and she's... <laughs> um, what, what makes her unconventional is that she spent, you know, her 20s traveling around Europe and having a crazy affair with an older rich man who paid for her to travel. She did it right. She fucking did it right. So Richard asks, oh, was that older man, was that wealthy man your husband? And she said, no, um, her husband was somebody else that she met after. So she's divorced and she's well-traveled and she's hot. She's studying urban planning. Um, and she explains to him why she's studying urban planning and like why that's interesting. But I didn't because write it down. she loves New York because New York is a vibrant, breathing city because it's its own organism. It. Yes, and that's why she's studying urban planning. Um, so Richard asks her out to dinner, and she says to continue the interview, and he says no, a date, and she's flattered, and she says yes because this is my love and Amelia. Exactly. Any other man. Asking for both breakfast, all, breakfast, lunch, lunch, and, and dinner. dinner. Well, he says, it's let's like, have dinner tonight. You're a serial killer. 
Yeah, he says, let's have dinner tonight. And she says, no, but we can do it tomorrow. So they make their date. Now, Owen and Natalie are at their hospital job. So I don't know if we really established this, but they're in the same science class. It's an intro to biology class. It's an intro to biology class. But with the class, they have to do hours at the health center. And it's like a full-ass hospital. It's a full-ass hospital at this college. And they're having the int- the freshman intro to biology students work at the hospital. Um, and they're like joking around because Natalie has to handle a bunch of the um, lacrosse team's urine samples. Uh. And she wants Owen to do it. But he's like, no, I don't want to. And they're just bantering about the urine. And then somebody in the corner of the room catches Owen's eye. Oh my God. And we, when I tell you that we fucking gasped, <laughs> when we realized that it was Kristen Ritter in the corner of the room with a tummy ache. I will say, logically, in my head, I can, I can acknowledge that Gal Gadot in The Beautiful Life, colon, TBL, was kind of a bigger shock. Yeah. But in my heart of hearts, like... Kirsten, not Kirsten, Kristen Ritter, along with Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams, are my holy trinity of white actresses in Hollywood. Like, yeah. I would take a bullet for all of them. I love Kristen Ritter. And we, I mean, she's on Gilmore Girls. She's on Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which, did it get two seasons? It did. That's why we don't talk about it on this show. She was, she's in Veronica Mars. She's in Veronica Mars. And, of course, we like Jessica Jones a lot, too. I'm a huge... Oh, oh, my God. I'm, I'm almost forgetting. You haven't even seen Breaking Bad. She's True. on Breaking Bad, and she's really fucking good on Breaking she's Bad. She's an incredible actress. You we should don't... watch it for her, if anything else. Right. Um, we love Kristen Ritter. And seeing her play this kind of silly little girl, like, silly little college student, um, it was delightful. And I don't think that she's going to be in any other episodes. I think that this is, like, a little guest star moment. But it was exciting. It does show that just kind of the WB slash CW really is a family. They keep it in the family. This was before she was on Gilmore Girls, for sure. Yes. Um, So she has a stomach ache. And that's why she's at the clinic. But she waves to Owen and Owen waves back to her. And Natalie catches the fact that he's not paying attention to their conversation and would rather wave at the beautiful Kristen Ritter. Um, but we see Owen in his video diary admit that he was flirting with Kristen Ritter, who we find out her character's name is Aaron. Um, we find out that Owen was flirting with Aaron to make Natalie jealous, to get a rise out of Natalie. He was manipulating her sexually. It's crazy that what they're talking about in class you know, is happening IRL. Is flirting with somebody in front of your crush to make your crush jealous manipulative? I mean, you know, I can't really flirt, so I just can't answer I that. just don't know if that's full-on manipulation. Um, so then we see Lee and Zoe hanging out. And it turns out that Lee has forgiven Zoe for telling the entire campus that he impregnated his girlfriend. Well, you know, with all her silly one-liners, it's like, ugh. How can you stay just mad Just another Zoe I know. Move. How can you stay mad? And and Lee is excited to be a father now. So he's not 
angry at Zoe because he's not ashamed for everyone to know. But Zoe really wants to make it up to him. And she feels really terrible about leaking his private personal business. So she tells him that she's a virgin. She says, you know, I want to tell you the secret about me so that we're even. And it's not a big deal at all. And he's just like, oh, that's why you didn't want to have sex with me that night. And it's like, well, maybe she just didn't want to have sex with you, but okay. I will say that I enjoy the representation of just a confident, sexy college virgin. I feel like most other shows, you know, would make her, would make a bigger deal out of shaming her. And, or making it like, oh my gosh, like she's sheltered. She's, she's shy. She's prudish. But none of that is true. She's very confident. She's very sexual. Um, And I think she's a great character, despite the fact that they give her, like, silly dialogue. I mean, I love hearing all of it come out of her mouth. I think that um, her flavor is hot, (laughs) as Jessica Alba would put it. So we find out that Katrina is Professor Macklin's ex-wife. And it's, it's confusing because she, she strikes me as being older than Richard, but just like not being old enough to have been married and divorced to Professor Macklin. Right. But, um, especially just given Professor Macklin being so much on his high horse about, you know, like not sleeping with students. Well, I don't think she was a student. No, but she's younger than him and is currently a student. Right. And is also his ex-wife. It's just a little bit like, okay, Macklin. I mean, both of us have, you know, friends who are dating older partners and it's... I don't I don't have an issue with an age gap. Yeah. This isn't like a me making a statement about age gaps. It's me making a statement about Macklin, maybe being a little bit of a hypocrite. Um, So, Kristen Ritter, Aaron, is back at the medical center with a headache. Oh. Um, and Owen is like, I thought it was your stomach. And then she was like, oh my gosh, you remembered me? Um, so she's faking this headache because Owen is cute and she wants to talk to him. Um, Natalie tells her video diary that she knows that Owen is flirting with Kristen Ritter to make her jealous. And she doesn't know if she should be mad about it, angry that he's trying to manipulate her, or if she should just kind of see what happens and see how it plays out. Should she play his game too? Or should she just wait for him to finish what game he's playing and just come out with the truth. Um, Macklin goes to the newspaper to talk to Richard and tells Richard that he knows that he's been hanging out with Katrina and interviewing Katrina for this article. And he knows that he's going to be going on a date with Katrina the next day. How did Richard find this out? Katrina texted him. I'm sorry. How did Macklin find this out? She emailed him. She emailed her ex-husband to let him know that she's going on a date with one of his students. She paged him. No, it was um, the dean. The dean saw Richard and Katrina. right. Like having, getting frisky. I love how small this campus is apparently, despite being like a New York City college. Everybody knows everybody's business. It's filmed on... The Barnard campus. So I think it's supposed to be like a really small liberal arts yeah. So the dean saw Richard hanging out with The Katrina, dean saw Richard. Hanging out with Katrina. Katrina and then told Macklin. So Macklin comes and lets Richard know 
just so you know, the woman that you've been hanging out with, that's my ex-wife, Katrina. I don't know if that changes things for you because I'm your professor and that's my ex-wife. And I hope it does. And yeah, I hope it does. Richard doesn't seem very shocked or bothed. And he doesn't intend to stop seeing Katrina just because Katrina is Macklin's ex-wife. You and I have watched NYC prep. We know what these teens in New York are like. They grow up so fast, you know? This isn't the first ex-wife of a teacher Richard has dated, I'm sure. So Macklin is not impressed with Richard's response to finding out that Katrina is his ex-wife. And he goes to his friend Carla, the head of the ethics department or the, the ethics committee, and he asks her, you know, is it an ethics violation for my student to be dating my ex-wife? To which she says, no, it's not. They're both students and they're into each other and they're dating. Um, but Macklin says, well, you know, my dating is, my dating, my grading is subjective. Maybe your grading shouldn't be subjective in a college course, but okay. Look, he has so much on his plate. I I don't expect him to want to read students' papers. But they're I not writing want... papers. They're well, exactly. I don't diaries. expect him to do anything. Um, I'm assuming it's just like a pass-fail class. But it seems like it's not because he says, you know, is Richard dating my ex-wife going to influence me to give him lower grades? Or is he doing it because I'm going to have to overcompensate and give him higher grades so as not to be showing bias? Um, but they Carla... They just get, like, points per video diary based yeah, on how much, they put, how much work they put into it. Effort, yeah. Um, but Carla's like, it's, look, Macklin, like, it's not an ethics violation for Richard to be dating Katrina. I'm sorry that it's bumming you out but there's nothing I can do about it and you need to, you know, suck it up and quit being dramatic. She goes here and you're not with her and she met Richard and they're hitting it off. It's not your business. So Natalie and Owen are back at work at the hospital and once again, Aaron, played by Kristen Ritter, shows up feeling sick, but she admits to Natalie that you know she's faking it because we Owen couldn't is tell so cute <laughs> yeah we had no clue <laughs> um and she i love the way she delivers these lines i just love Kristen ritter i think she's the cutest girl in the world but um she's like oh i just like what's owen's deal i just saw him and he's so cute i couldn't help myself i had to like, come back and, and get him to notice me i'm just now thinking about Kristen and pen and that would be explosive it would be um, I think, is Kristen Ritter married? I don't know anything about her personal life. She's, like, married and has has a child now. Oh my gosh. What? I didn't, I need to be reading up more on her life. The fuck are you doing? Uh, I, oh my god, do you know what nothing. I saw earlier today, though? Side note. Yeah. I was really sad because of the Naya Rivera stuff. Mm-hmm. Devastating, and we don't want to get into it. But then there was a really lighthearted tweet, Twitter, trending right now. Mm-hmm. Henry Cavill building a computer. It's just a five minute video of Henry Cavill building a computer, and it's pure joy. Is he building himself like a gaming PC? Because I know he's really I, into gaming. Yeah, I guess. And he, it, it's just uh, he's so cute. Toss he a loves, coin to your Witcher. He, his girlfriend is a stunt actress. 
he loves video games and horses and his, and his big precious dog and baking. He's the perfect man. I love everything about him. And I, look, I don't like to get obsessed with celebrities. I don't like to be that person that's like crazed over a celebrity and, and crushing excessively on someone that I don't know, you know, who would probably let me down if I met them in person. But with Henry Cavill, I just can't help it. I can't. He just seems so pure to me. I can't help what I feel. So Natalie tells Aaron that Owen has a tail. She basically just says, yeah, Owen has like a birth defect and he has a tail and it moves when he's excited. It wags. I would believe it. Um, he just has that face. So I guess Natalie's made her decision about whether or not she's going to get involved in the manipulation. Lee records his sex diary outside in the middle of the day on a park bench in the middle of New York City. And he says that he is trying to manipulate the system by getting a job in an art gallery. I don't think he was paying attention in class. <laughs> I don't think he knows what class he's in. I just don't. <laughs> also, how is applying for jobs manipulating the system? Well, I was then ready for him to maybe like meet like a sexy older gallery owner for him and like to... flirt with the gallery owner to get the job yeah. or lie on his resume but there we get none of that i didn't write down a whole lot about his plot this episode because it's just him going around applying to different galleries and getting turned down yeah but he and and also getting turned down for um a work study position which he obviously needs because he wants to finish school but he is about to be a father so he needs income the thing i will say i know earlier i was talking about kind of being really excited about you know lee and zoe's place within the cast and what we said is true like these are two characters who get arguably as much screen time as anyone else i would just say that they are they are they are removed i think from the other characters the other the other four leads are so interconnected with their storylines um but it's like i think unfortunately still for 2006 like I mean, good for Zoe and Lee for not involving themselves in all the- In that messy white nonsense. Yeah, in that petty drama of all the other characters. So then we cut to class and they're playing Zoe's video diary where she says that all women are sexual manipulators. Um, I didn't take a lot of notes on this, but throughout the episode, we have little scenes with Zoe where she flirts with the barista in the dining hall flirts is an interesting word basically from across the room she um you know mimes to him flirtatiously and gets him to spin around to prove to natalie natalie that you know women are born manipulators and look at how much fun it is to manipulate men using your beauty and it was funny it was like come hither and he steps forward and yeah she's it's like, just her batting her eyelashes turn around like she, yeah. like let me look at your ass from across the room that flat ass yeah and he does everything that she t- tells him to do and then that he doesn't even seem angry which i was amused by like well no he seems into it i mean after after the fact after she's like okay i'm done with you he doesn't seem bothered that this girl just had him like twirl around for no reason well she goes up to him after at the end of the scene yeah um and asks him out, basically. So that was her proving to everybody for her video diary that women are sexual manip- manipulators. That that's just how we are. That's who we are as women. 
Someone had to say it. I don't I don't know <laughs> if I am super using my sexuality to manipulate others. I don't There's think, no time to start, like, tomorrow. I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that I have really used my beauty or my feminine sexuality to get anything of use out of any man, to be quite honest. Cigarettes. But I, <laughs> sure, you know, I've bummed a couple cigarettes. But, oh, but any, like, you can bum a cigarette off of anyone. You don't typically have to use your flirtatious beauty to get well actually no that's that's dead wrong and i i i definitely flirt for for a oh gosh it's okay to they're demeaning it. me on the pod <laughs> i mean art imitates life i would say that this episode i think i enjoyed more because sarah wasn't i don't dislike sarah i think she's she's kind of an essential character like you kind of need that straight woman type character yeah you know the the, the grounding so that everyone else can be messy. But it's just like Zoe's more fun to watch. Owen and Richard are pretty, you know, like these are the characters. Sarah, I want to Sarah's see. not in this episode a whole lot and it doesn't matter to me. Um, so they play Zoe's video diary in class where she says that women are sexual manipulators. And this leads to a discussion. And all I really wrote down is how completely bonkers their class discussions are. <laughs> it, it is. Well, they're non discussions. They're non discussions. Having been in college seminar courses, it is a lot of babble without actually saying anything. And I do think that this is fairly accurate depiction of that. But I do think a class of students talking about sex would be a little bit more interesting than this. But um, Sarah does say that manipulation is not just a female thing, but that it's part of our DNA, all of us as people. We're all manipulative. This conversation. (laughs) And then... Um, Richard has like a really convoluted metaphor about cavemen right. that I ignored because it made no sense. And I then Natalie like pro Magnum or pro. I, I, tr- I don't want to get into it. Okay. it. It made no sense. And then Natalie and, you know, Natalie says that manipulation isn't necessary. And Owen is like, well, I think that's okay. Well, the Richard portion is important because. It's he's comparing the situation he's experiencing right now with Katrina and the professor. That's the metaphor that the younger, hotter, smarter, faster caveman Richard is gonna is gonna woo the woman and win. Yeah, as as opposed to the older extinct which model. Okay, like that's an argument, but it doesn't really have anything to do with manipulation. <laughs> um, and Natalie says that she's not good at manipulation. Which makes no sense to me. But okay. I mean, she said that a guy has a tail. So I believe her. Like, that's the best you could do. <laughs> um, and it He used to beat his ex-girlfriend. And it didn't work because we see in future scenes that Kristen Ritter is still after him. Um, but we well, see... We the, see that green vest. Natalie and Owen making, like, meaningful eye contact across the room, suggesting that Natalie knows that Owen is trying to manipulate her. Um, and he knows that she knows. So Chris, um, so Katrina and Richard have their dinner dates and she orders a bottle of wine, but he doesn't want any. And he tells her, yeah, you know, I, I actually am, I'm a year sober. And she says, oh, wow, I'm really proud of you. That's really impressive. And he says, you know what? I'm proud of myself, too. Wow. That's the first time I've ever said that to anyone. I've never said that I'm proud of myself for getting sober. 
And that is the extent to the meaningfulness of their conversation. Um, but it, it's a good date. How would you say it compares to a bachelor date? She doesn't talk about any traumas. So I would say on The Bachelor, this would be a failed date. Right. Um, but in real life, fine. Good date. <laughs> um, so they get up to leave. Um, and they run into Sarah and her swim team boyfriend as they're arriving at the same restaurant. And Sarah rolls her eyes because she's kind of fucked off about running into Richard again, especially with this guy that Richard doesn't really approve of her dating. Because at one point, Richard does tell Sarah, by the way, my friend was only going out with you because he wanted money for his swim trip. But they work it out because this guy is now actually really into her and they decide to keep dating. But it's just like tension because Richard introduced her to the guy and then tried to get her to dump the guy. And it's like, Richard, stay out of my business. Stop trying to push my buttons. During this entire scene, I am wondering where his stepmom is. And you know what? She's not here. (laughs) And it's disappointing. So Sarah and her swim team date cannot get a table at the restaurant. There's like a 45 minute wait. And they're losers. And then Richard is like, oh, no, I got this. And he goes up to the hostess. He goes up to the hostess and says, hey, these are my friends. Why don't you just give them my table? That's not how a restaurant works. You paid and you're leaving the restaurant. That's no longer your table. That table is whoever's next on the wait list. Are you telling me if Milo didn't come up to you with that crooked smile and a little chest shimmy, you wouldn't you wouldn't, no. you wouldn't do him a favor? No. Well, you're not a host. The, I've bet I was a host <laughs> for many years. No, whoever is next on the wait list, who's been waiting longest for the table, gets the table. You don't get to jump the fucking wait list because you're friends with, like, a rich guy. I mean, I'm sure that this does happen at restaurants all the time. Like, I'm sure it does happen. But it's just as stupid. Maybe his dad has a table. It's stupid and also annoying. But he, you know, he gives this table to Sarah and her date as him and Katrina are leaving. Um... While they're at the date, Macklin tries to call Katrina. Of course, she doesn't answer, but he leaves her a message saying that she left her umbrella in his office um, when they were having a little confrontation. And we all know what that means. He literally says, he's like, it's kind of crazy that you left your umbrella in my office. You know, I feel like you did that because you secretly want to be with me. Okay. He has a lot of confidence in this scene for a man who... um... Who's getting passed up for the younger model. Yeah. So then we find out through a conversation between Richard and Katrina that Richard knew that Katrina was Macklin's ex-wife the whole time from the very beginning. He walks Katrina home. She invites him upstairs. For coffee. For coffee. They have a little chit chat where he admits to her, you know, just so you know, I'm I'm in your husband, your ex-husband's class. And I knew that you guys were exes. He does his research. He may not read the paper before it goes to print, but he, he Googles. And then they make out. Katrina is sold on him. She is. I mean, he's a cutie. He's nice. He's honest. He's confident. He's smart. He's a writer. He's rich. He's rich. He doesn't drink. They make out. It's implied that he goes up to her apartment, but we don't see anything. Which, once again, like, this show is about sex. I would like to see a little bit more than just kissing on the sidewalk, but okay. 
Then we're back at the hospital. And Aaron, played by Kristen Ritter. We need to be watching, like, our next show. I mean, we've already planned out most of our shows. But we need to watch, like, a Showtime HBO cable, like... We need to just shell out for something really explicit. Yeah. What was that? Gypsy. Oh, Gypsy. On Netflix. Oh, is it sexy? Is there butt? Well, there's lesbian sex. Tits and ass? I know that that maybe disappoints you, but I would like that. I want that for you. Thank you. Um, I mean, there's straight sex, too. Mm. I don't know if there's gay sex between men. <sighs> We're watching a show with Penn Bagley and Milo Ventimiglia in it. I know. Suck it the fuck up. Okay. Um, so Aaron is back at the hospital once again trying to get Owen's attention. Can we just talk about that for a second? I know. <laughs> that she thinks that he has a tail, but isn't No, bother. I just feel like we haven't talked about kind of the, the bonkers aspect of the fact that Penn and Milo are in the same show. It just amuses me. I mean, it's nice to have more than one hot guy on a show at the same time. Yeah. And to have scenes together. And to not have them be in competition, really. Although they both like Natalie, I guess. But only one is pursuing her. Yeah, so far, Richard is not actively in Owen's way. He just has a history with Natalie. And there's like a little bit of... I think because he knows, you know, despite maybe feeling like he somehow drove her to a suicide attempt he knows that he's the superior man he has confidence in his pipe like he thinks that he's better than owen i mean i don't know i don't get that sense he has the suit jackets the suit i mean now he's into katrina he's you know he's moved on to an older woman and i have nothing but respect for that so I don't think Aaron really believed Natalie about the tail thing because she's <laughs> once again at the hospital flirting with Owen. I get it. I mean, is a little tail gonna get in your way, you know, if you're into Penagley? I, I can... just feel like at this point she can stop faking illnesses and just go up to him. Yeah. I like that she's being cute and stupid and going about this in the most sort of immature way possible. I like that in a woman. What can I say? So, But in a man? Natalie... In a man? Well, Repulsive. That's just, that's Disgusting. just how they behave already. <laughs> Natalie pulls Owen aside and tells him, just ask Aaron out already. She's been faking illnesses just to talk to you, and it's taking up time, and there's people here that are actually sick, so why don't you just ask her out so that she can stop showing up here? And so, Owen makes a joke. He's like, oh, I thought she was trying to get me to write her, like, dummy prescriptions. Like, somehow he couldn't tell that this girl was into him, which is a dead lie, because he's known from the beginning, and was flirting with her to make Natalie jealous. I'm just now thinking about... I I assumed this was the university's health center. But there are, are like, non-students who go here. This is, like, a full-on hospital. But it's run by the college. Right. Which is not unheard of. I just feel like these students are doing, like, more than maybe is appropriate well for freshman intro to biology students (laughs) shouldn't they learn some biology before they start working at the hospital hands on baby um so owen this is his moment so he just straight up is with natalie he's straight up with her and he asks her out instead he's like actually i'd kind of rather ask you out well what he says is like i can't ask her out because then it would ruin any chance of me asking you out and she blushes. Ah, finally the truth comes out. Which is like, yeah, you already made out. 
You already know he likes you. I he mean, already is... crowned you one third the winner of Bedford Beauty Pageant. <laughs> I mean, this is true with college kids. Like, a guy will make out with you, but then the next day you're like, is this guy even like me? And then he'll just like, be hitting on someone else. Like, I get it. Like, people are playing games. Um, Macklin is in his office watching his students' sex diaries, video diaries, and he's watching Richard's video diary where Richard is openly discussing making out with Macklin's ex-wife and how awesome it was. I love it. And how Katrina is smart. She's beautiful. She's motivated. She's driven. She's beautiful. She's sexy. She's hot. Would you say she's not like the other girls? She's not like the other girls because she's 10 years older. (laughs) Um... He watches the video and then he opens his office door and Richard is outside and he says, okay, Richard, you can come in. And Richard tells Macklin that this whole thing was kind of brought on because he wanted to do a manipulative experiment. And then meeting Katrina just fell into his lap and he wanted to use it as an opportunity to sexually manipulate Macklin. You heard it, Richard, Milo sexually manipulating professor sexy macklin he's not sexy i think he's attractive you don't think he's attractive sometimes i question your taste Uh, (laughs) so my current obsession is victor garber (laughs) in alias not currently 70 years old i mean let me look at him hold on i sent you some pictures of him earlier today that was young victor garber you want to see old Victor? Garber. I want to see current. Victor He's, he looks really good for a man his age. He really Should does. Should I do 2019 or 2020? Is there going to be a difference? Well, I mean, this is a 70 year old man. But he looks like he was very attractive in his previous years because he was. What glass of wine am I at? One. You've had one. Not right now. I'm meeting Victor Garber. Oh, are you trying to tell Are you trying to ask, like, would you sleep with 70-year-old Victor Garber right now? I am. Um, I don't think you really have to think that hard about it. I think you would. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But he wouldn't have you. He has a husband. Why would you say something so fucking hurtful to me? It's mostly because I just don't think of Victor Garber as a cheater. And I have a lot of respect for him. And I have respect for you. And I think he'd have respect enough for you not to turn you into the other man. That is disgusting. I can't believe you would say something so heinous to me. (laughs) Keep the fucking recap moving. I think that you should take it as the compliment that it is. I see you as more than a side piece. I see you as a first choice. Not as a sturdy little secret. So Richard admits to Macklin that he was trying to manipulate him and Macklin's not mad. He somehow thinks it's okay for his student to try and sexually manipulate him and test him. And then he's just like, okay, did I pass the test? And Richard's like, yeah, you passed the test. With like a B plus. I don't understand what he was trying to get out of Macklin and what would have been passing the test and what would have been failing the test. Causing a complete fit. Ruining the date. Yeah, I guess the the passing the test is the fact that Macklin didn't throw a fit about Richard going out with his ex-wife. Um, but what Richard wasn't expecting is that he was actually going to be into Katrina. And now he, it's not just about manipulation for him. He does really like her. 
she's special. She's incredible. She's unique. She's into urban planning. planning. You know, she's never before seen. <laughs> Unprecedented. Um, so the next scene is Richard at an art gallery with Katrina. And Natalie spots them across the room and they have some meaningful eye contact. I guess it's, it affects Natalie to see Richard with another woman. Um, but there's no, you know, there's no dialogue about it. There's just, little, I mean, I think, gaze. I think it's supposed to be like, I, Natalie probably knows that her suicide attempt, you know, really affected Richard in some way. And she's happy to see him. Out and oh, about that's not what I interpreted. It, I mean, when he called her and it would, you know, they had this silent call and all their eye contact. They just have like, a, despite me wanting them to be endgame, you're, you're probably right. And I think their relationship is more just like close friendship. I don't know. And... I, I mean, they have a history. I think that there's sexual tension there for sure. And the eye contact for me, it felt almost like maybe jealousy or she's kind of remembering something from their relationship and their past. And maybe, you know, she has, she knows secrets about Richard that Katrina doesn't know. Like they just have a lot between them that's unspoken that hopefully we'll get to see in future episodes. I love how much we're able to really project into meaningful eye contact. Whereas while watching Zero Hour, in the case of Aaron and Rachel, it was like crickets. I think it says a lot about us that we are able to project so much deep sensuality into small moments. Maybe we should be teaching a sex seminar. We accept the love we think we deserve. (laughs) Um, Richard and Katrina leave the art gallery and he walks her home. And she kind of makes an attempt at ending things and says... I think you like me, but I think you like yanking my ex-husband's chain a little bit too much. And Richard is able to talk her down off of this and convince her that, no, like he really is into her. And this isn't about Macklin anymore. It's not about manipulating Macklin. And although he did know that they were exes, that's no longer important because he's just, you know, really seeing stuff in Katrina. And they kiss again. So there's there's serious heat being exchanged between Richard and Katrina. Now, I like this. To be honest, with, with all the tension between Richard and Sarah, and the fact that he's always flirting with Sarah, I really expected... I didn't, I didn't expect him to get another love interest. So... You mean him having a history with Natalie, him having sexual tension with Sarah, and now him actively dating Katrina? I mean, I get it because it's Milo Ventimiglia. Um, I, but I, this was a twist to me. Um, one, the one moment that Sarah did have in this episode was when he gives her his table at the restaurant. Then we see her telling her video diary that she thinks that Richard manipulates her. She feels manipulated by Richard and she doesn't understand you know, does he manipulate her because he wants her or does he manipulate her just to fuck because her he up? Because he can. Yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting out of everything that's passed between them and all of the, like, things that he said to her that the real breaking point of her feeling manipulated by him was when he generously gave her and her <laughs> date his table at a restaurant. Okay. Uh... So 
This Look, episode- Sarah is fucked up. Her brother eats frozen Hot Pockets. I understand, you know? I understand why she has trouble trusting. And why she's kind of wasting her time dating a guy that she doesn't even really like that much. You know, this this kind of boring dude on the swim team. He has a swimmer's body. Their relationship is just so physical. It's not about what they share intellectually. Whereas she and Richard are I mean, both- has he talked? I haven't written down a single line, but <laughs> it seems like she and Richard have a true connection. And I just want to see that play out in later episodes. Now. Tell me. The episode ends with a video diary, of course, as it should, but it's a little bit of a twist on the previous video diary Hmm. format. Instead of a video diary playing in class, we get Macklin recording his own video diary, the professor. Now, I do wonder how many years has he been teaching this class and has he ever attempted to record his own sexual video diary? And is he going to show this to the class? Was this show the birth of logging? I think that there were was already vlogging in 2006, but I think that this probably coincided with the birth of vlogging. And that's why this video diary was kind of a hot topic for the show. I imagine. So we started watching Felicity. It's, of course, one of my favorite shows. We couldn't get into it because it was too. Love triangles. I'll just say this. Love uh, something like the love triangle on Felicity, a love triangle of that level of tension. I will become obsessed. A will-they-won't-they romance on a TV show, when done right, is my kryptonite. It is my crack cocaine. Yeah. And it will keep me up at night. It will eat away at me. Uh, This is actually why, you know, in high school, I was an avid binge binge washer. And I would get obsessed with these couples on TV. And it was a problem. And so I had to swear off binge watching. And I had to throw that away. I had to turn my back on that part of my life. And so in the past, I would say five, six years, I have not indulged in highly romantic television because I just don't want to get swept away and caught up in a romantic fiction. I'm only trying to drown in it. I understand, but I don't think that you have the sickness that I have. I don't think I do. I don't think you lose sleep over this shit. So I don't lose sleep over anything, honey. (laughs) Roberto and I watched a handful of Felicity episodes and I started to get the sense that, that you were Felicity, losing grip. <laughs> that Felicity was not, in fact, going to end up with Noel. Right. And then I read online who she ends up with. I guess. Why I would you do that? It wasn't on purpose. It was. You are purpose. always reading spoilers online. Because, Roberto, I was sick over this, okay? Because Noel is the perfect person, and he's so precious, and he's so good to her, and then they fucking throw in this wrench that he has a girlfriend, and of course the girlfriend is played by Jennifer fucking Garner, who I would die for. The perfect woman. Um, and he fucking cheated on his girlfriend with Felicity, the fuck? But he's just so everything, and the other love interest, Ben, is just so nothing, and it's so unattractive to me, and not good enough for Felicity. But I was up, I was literally laying in bed that night after we had watched like the fourth episode of Felicity, awake in the middle of the night, agonized (laughs) over the idea that Felicity might not end up with Noel. It was, it made me sick. It, It felt so real to me. Right. And it felt like I was breaking mentally. It felt like a break from reality. But I don't like what that kind of shit does to me. But don't you think if you had just given the show more time that you would have maybe understood why 
Ben is worthy of Felicity's love. It wouldn't have mattered because it was eating away at my brain. The point of me bringing this up is I just imagine a really funny pitch meeting in which them knowing what a hit Felicity is. And of course, Felicity is always sending voice recorded memos to her French tutor, Sally, but them being like, we'll take it a fucking step further. Video diaries and we'll make it sexy. Yeah. Without any sex. I will say, fortunately, Bedford Diaries does not have the effect on me that Felicity had. (laughs) Right. Um, Because the love triangle is just not juicy enough. And I don't actually care who ends up with who. (laughs) But um, this episode ends with Macklin recording a video diary as the professor. And he says that the worst and most dangerous kind of sexual manipulation is manipulation of the self. Lying to yourself. He's wrong. That's not the most dangerous type of manipulation. Cute idea, but no, incorrect. Um, but basically he says, I've been lying to myself. I'm not over Katrina. I'm not over my ex-wife. In fact, I'm still in love with her. And I want her back. And they had broken up because he prioritized Work. his class and his work over her. Work is everything to him. Teaching is everything to him. And he put that in ahead of his marriage. Yes. But now he regrets everything and he wants Katrina back. I got the sense that he was recording this video diary for Richard to get Richard to stop seeing her. But it's unclear. Maybe he's going to play it in class. Maybe it's just his own therapeutic exercise. But this is where we're left at the end of episode four. And this is our our personal dearly departed mid-season break because the show is just too good we had to split it into two i'm excited to see where the show goes you know i'm excited to see um owen and natalie maybe go on one date have a fight i'm excited i want to get a little catharsis between natalie and richard i want to get some one-on-one talk time i want him to i want to figure out what's going on with him and his stepmom i'd like to see him have sex with sarah on screen i'm thinking maybe zoe is gonna have sex zoe's gonna lose her virginity i don't think things are over with her and lee i think she's gonna continue to pine after lee yes um, I would like to see a little bit more of Lee with his pregnant girlfriend. I want more screen time for Rachel. I like her a lot. We're thinking Macklin and Carla. Macklin and the, the ethics professor. On campus, on a desk, maybe. But now I'm wondering if he is going to be with her because I think, now he's admitted that he's in love with his ex-wife. I think Katrina will be written now within two episodes. You do? I, I Yeah, I don't see her sticking around. She's not a lead. No. Um, We will be back next week for part two and the conclusion of the Bedford Diaries. I hope this was as fun to listen to as it was for us to watch. It's a show that, like I said before, it's out of all the ones that we've seen, this is the one to watch. And NYC Prep too. NYC Prep was a really fun watch, but this one is free on YouTube. I might have liked NYC Prep more. I don't know. We'll see how I feel at the end of this. Yeah. This arc. Follow us on Instagram at (laughs) dearly departed the pod. You can also follow our individual Instagrams. Mine is at Grimy Hag and Roberto's is at Robo Glam Jam. You can also follow us on Twitter with our same ats and our podcast on Twitter, which is Dearly De Podcast. I think it's time. I think it's time for us to start plugging our holiday card. Ah! <laughs> we do a 
annual holiday card. And this year is going to be our third annual holiday card. Anyone who's in our circle will tell you that it is the Immaculate. event. It's the event of the year. You can see on our Instagrams, our previous holiday card photos. Um, after all of the cards have been delivered, we do publish the photos online for you to take pleasure in. Um, this is a free service that we offer. You can receive a paper, a real solid piece of art piece of art in your mailbox and it is going to be a gorgeous photograph of Roberto and I every with year with a sweet sentiment a beautiful message there is an underlying narrative there is every year we have a theme there's a narrative you know the production value is incredibly high i would agree if you would and this like, year we're we're think we, you know we're expanding every year we go bigger and badder and we have to top our previous cards this year there are going to be some really new exciting elements and all you have to do is reach out to us on instagram dm one of us on instagram let us know that you would like to receive our annual holiday card you do have to give us a mail address we don't do a fucking e-card we're not cheap as shit okay this is cardstock so you are going to have to give us your address. If you have a P.O. box, that would be great. Just know that if you don't live in L.A., we can't stalk you because we can't leave the city anyway. So don't be too worried about what we're going to do with your address. For those already on the list, rest assured you remain on the list unless we either haven't talked in years or we are not positive that you still live at that same address. We will probably be plugging this a few more times until the year. It's a huge part of our brand. It's a huge part of the Dearly Departed brand. So far, we haven't put any of the pictures up on the Dearly Departed Instagram, but we certainly might. They're great promotional photos. They are glamorous. They are gorgeous. Um, Thank you for listening. You know, we love you all. You bring music to our ears the way that we bring music to yours. It's been a blast, and I cannot wait to see what the fuck happens. Part two of the Bedford Diaries. Bye.